Hi, I'm Joe Lynch, director of such cinematic classics as Wrong Turn 2, Knights of Badastum, Everly, and of course the new film, Mayhem. And when I'm not masturbating to Sasquatch porn, I'm listening to Nightmare Junkhead. Ooh, it feels so good. and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that knows the pain and discomfort of sitting on attack my name is greg Ouch. d <laughs> genius mcgee and on today's episode we're delving even deeper into the mouth of march madness as we welcome media rewind and let's survive to help us break down the remaining horror classics from our 2001 bracket and you don't have to be full of stars to listen in to our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your ouch hole. <laughs> and as this episode, oh, I should say then, yeah, if you're channeling your inner Satan there <laughs> and you're on social media, you of course can find us on Twitter at Nightmare Junk and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And of course it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which again leads to shenanigans and odyssey shenanigans. And this episode is going to be released on Friday, March 19th. We are recording way in advance. Yeah, we're containing the madness. We know, though, that whatever shenanigans are going to be going on, we will list them. And I will say this, uh, we will be having our latest Friday Night Fright Mm -hmm. on that Friday. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, ideally, it will be one of the films that we have talked about here in our Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. So you know it's going to be a good one. We are looking to program the entirety of the month of March for that. So mm-hmm. I, the madness has beyond, gone beyond the bracket and now has infested the theater like the blob. Just blah. And we are going to have Tony Gardner work on those effects. But more importantly, you can, of course, have access to our bracket because without that. How are you going to play the game? And, of course, you can find it on all elements of social media. And remember, show your work. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's what we did the last round here, Genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone from eight films down to four. Yep. Here in the round of the Scream 16 in the year of 2001. Man, I, I'm so ready for the year 2000. And one. <sighs> I'm glad we don't have to do that every single time <laughs> because it was really taxing on the throat. I told, <laughs> I understand your issue with the rush reference. So if you ever want to cancel that, I totally get it. But I also have a little bit of nostalgia for that. I'm oh, not going to lie. Absolutely. Especially the look on the guest's face. If they weren't familiar with the Conan bit and they're right. uh... what's going on here. But, <laughs> But as we enter the next round, we are going to expand our talk and our guest, as we like to do. And if there's any time, there's going to be any kind of action-oriented elements in a film, mm-hmm. especially with horror, ideally there's always a person we're going to reach out to. Oh, yeah. And when we realized, when we were putting together the lineup for 2001, there were multiple films that we were like, you know what? 
You know who's going to be a good person to talk to? No, we got some action horror on here. Who who are we going to call? We were going to call Scott Atkins, right? But, um, unfortunately, he's Scott Atkins. <laughs> Oi, <laughs> Yuri Boyka. <laughs> but we 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 realized we had to you know be a little bit more realistic, and we have someone that is definitely an actioneer expert. You all know him as the co-host of the Media Rewind podcast, but more importantly, as a co-host of this little thing we used to do called the Nerds of Nostalgia, uh, please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead and Into the Mouth of March Madness, Dustin Pryor. Hey, guys. What's up, dude? Uh, no offense to you guys, but if I look like Scott Atkins, I wouldn't be on your pod. <laughs> <laughs> None taken. I, I, I'd be out I'd be out doing Frank Reynolds shenanigans. <laughs> You'd be in some like Yugoslavian prison fighting. It's like trying to get out like Scott. Maybe. <laughs> fighting for what's right. Yuri Baldy. <laughs> Put it on a poster and print it. Exactly. There we go. I just would like the fact that if we were traveling alongside somewhere, you could just break out a spin kick in front of a stranger and just dazzle them. And unfortunately, if I do that, now right. I'm going to pull a hammy. <laughs> I'll be like Peter Griffin on the ground. Ow! <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. Well, where can any of our listeners find you out on a social media? Please plug and promote away. Well, you can find Genius and I out on the Twitterverse at Media Rewind Pod. You can find us on the Facebooks at Media mm-hmm. Rewind Podcast. And we are actually getting ready to launch season 10C of AMC's The, the Walking Dead. Dead. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm fucking ready. So right this, answer. <laughs> so at this point in this late in March, we're about mid-March at this point. Uh, how many episodes in? Uh, probably about three. Yeah, three or four. About yep. three or yep. four episodes in. Inter- now, that being said, do you want to go ahead and post any predictions at this point, three episodes in? Mm, I, I want to see a lot more Negan, you know, because I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan has done a great job with that character, and I think we're getting a lot more of his backstory in the final 30 episodes of the show. I want to see uh, the showdown between Negan and Maggie. Oh, yeah. That's going to yep. be interesting. That's mm, going to be that. Right, right answer. answer. Mm. So. so to make sure you're getting all that scintillating conversation <laughs> and chemistry, and let's face it, I don't watch the show, but I listen. I don't watch the shows, but I listen to the show, and it's that's the stuff that brings me back. So yeah, make sure you're checking out the Media Rewind podcast, and I'm really glad you're here for this round, Dustin, because we've got four films that kind of ex- extend what you can do with horror. Yeah, there's no... On, in some years, it's easy to see the theme. It's mm-hmm. easy to see, like, okay, 70s are dour, 80s are gratuitous, oh. blah, blah, blah. But with this, with this one especially, with the new millennium and all rules are gone, it's really hard to pinpoint, and, and everything's diverse. Well, and that's the best thing. We literally have a relic from the 80s. We have some psychological horror or thriller. Mm-hmm. We have a historical period piece right with a lycanthrope and then we have another one that is a callback to 70s black exploitation mm-hmm. i mean that is crazy diverse here yeah, in the year is. of 2000 in the year 2000 and one that'll be the last time i swear <laughs> so we have four films trying to get into the next round of the hateful eight and our lineups and our verses here is going to be jason x going up against frailty and the Brotherhood of the Wolf going up against Bones. Mm. Um, I want to start with Jason X and Frailty, the first lineup here. So, Dustin, which film shall we talk first? Let's go and talk Jason X because I have seen that one before. Now, and that's what I'm curious because you and Genius, for any of our first-time viewers out there, 
you all have an extended friendship and extended mm-hmm. time together. Mm-hmm. And eh, a couple of months. Yeah, a few months. <laughs> I think they measure that in trimesters now, don't they? <laughs> right. What's your name, Justin? Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> right on. <laughs> so I was anxious to see how many of these films you actually did experience in the theater with one Genius McGee. Mm-hmm. And that being said, what was your original theatrical experience like? With Jason X? Mm-hmm. Um, I remember going in to see it, and it was like, oh, okay, this is going to be a Friday the 13th film. You know, I'm, I, I will say, you know, sorry I have to put this out as a disclaimer. I am yeah. not the biggest fan of a lot of horror franchises. There right. are some that I really enjoy, like the Victor Crowley's. Society. Like the <laughs> <laughs> but, no, and, and I mean, I appreciate everything that we've seen. You know, like even Society. You know, the right. movies that might be uncomfortable to watch shivers is another one you know mm-hmm. you you might not understand it you might not get the depths i mean i'm not a, a horror historian you know right. i'm not i'm not on you guys's level when it comes to like being able to break down you know those kind of things but with jason x i remember thinking okay you know it's another jason film cool let's go ahead and just kind of you know check out for a couple hours and and watch it you know it's got the canon runtime so i'm automatically in <laughs> i think it's an hour and a half and 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 then you know the the whole precursor was it was like super jason in space yeah so it's like all right, then you just check mark three boxes, and I think yeah. we saw it in Indian Springs. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, no, it no, might have no, been, no, been, been West Glen. Yeah, it would have been, been West, West Glen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so question number one answered. You do did see it together mm-hmm. in the theater. Mm-hmm. Of yeah. course. Now, and it was one Genius McGee that probably did bring you in. Yes. Because this is one Let's you would have Jason X, dude. normally not gone and seen. Well, you uh, know, and, and I can tell you with, with our friendship that, you know, between the three of us, I can tell you that. I did like a lot of horror films growing up, you know, like the original Nightmare on Elm Street, the original Friday the 13th, the, the original Halloween. But when you start getting in like the deeper cuts, like Genius said, Society, mm-hmm. Shivers, you know, mm-hmm. The Beyond, The Gate, you know, those kind of movies. I didn't necessarily gravitate toward those because those came out at the same time when Schwarzenegger and Stallone right. and JCVD were big. So I was like more pew, pew, pew. Yeah. Pew, well, fuck rather just- than exactly just <laughs> fuck just the other day i was like man i'm in the mood for action what should i watch you know just like you know you're the one to go to when it comes to what i like in action so, right yeah, yeah. we we have our wheelhouses and mm-hmm. i mean i i completely will own up to that i mean they're i'm not going to be able to wax poetic about all the horror films that you guys can you know and kind of vice versa there's probably a lot of really crappy action films that i've seen that you probably haven't seen so, right you know that's fair. That's fair. But it's that perspective I like that you can bring. And especially with this particular film, because it is very action oriented, mm-hmm. even in the space setting. Yeah. And it, it, it takes elements of aliens, mm-hmm. obviously, but it does it in a very loving way. And that's the one thing. Go back to our commentary way back that we did last year mm-hmm. of Jason X. And you would, if you took a drink every time we probably said fun. Yeah, you'd be sh- you know schlocked by the time Cronenberg shows up because <laughs> the movie is legitimately fun and it does not take itself seriously, um, which is good because there's technically two films. No, you know what? Technically, I really this is the one I think that does not take itself seriously. Yeah, the tongue is firmly in its cheek, but it's in a very loving manner. Because even in part six, they wanted they wanted to scare too, mm-hmm. and they wanted mm-hmm. to set it up where it's more of a mystery. In this one, this is just, hey, it's Jason in space. Let's have some fucking fun. Well, but, and, and they knew what they were doing. Yeah. You know, there, there's some there, there's some films that go over all of the genres that, that they want to try to do something, but they don't quite hit it. In this film, they wanted to be fun. They weren't going for the, the you know, Friday the 13th part two. They, they weren't going <laughs> for right. the menacing Jason. They were going for a fun Jason, and that's exactly what it was because it even played to 
some of the previous kills that he had in some of the other movies. And I know we'll talk about that, but it's it knew it was going to be fun. Yeah. It was going out to be fun. It was just another entry in the in the franchise. And they wanted to do something tonally different than all of the other films that they did. Well, fuck when one of the well, like the line you mentioned when it's like uh, we love smoking pot and having premarital <laughs> sex. Bunk, 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 bunk. And you know, honestly, I, that's the first. This is the first time the, the rewatch rather that I've seen it since the theater, and I completely forgot about the sleeping bag, and I <laughs> laughed my ass off when he beats the one girl to death with the other girl in the sleeping bag. I'm just like, that's brilliant because it's like. That was my favorite kill from like the original <laughs> first six movies, and I'm like, ha, 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 you you gave that part to me. I like it. Yeah, and then uh, the liquid carbonite. Oh, Psh. dude, that was brutal. Yeah, I'd like to think it has something for the casual Friday fan and the hardcore fans alike. But I do you think because it is set in space, that's the reason why a lot of people are off put by it. Because if you go out on the inner the internet, which you should never do, <laughs> that's a totally wa- a wasteland out there. But there's a lot of hate of this film. Mm. We we've had conversations before, and I know you guys want to talk always about being you know a podcast of po- positivity. I don't like the fact that people shit on films just because they don't like them. Mm-hmm. Because my favorite film might not be somebody else's favorite film. This movie went out to be fun. You know, I'm not going to say, oh, man, fuck Jason X, this is stupid. I'm not going to go out there and try to wax poetic because I'm not one of these. I'm not a film critic. I write about what I like. I, I talk about what I like, you know, so it's never going to be one of those things where, oh, I really think Jason should have breathed a little bit less in this movie. It's like, go, go F yourself, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. It, it's totally fair. It's totally fair. It's just one of those things that on the flip side out on the Internet it also is, I'm seeing, it's gaining a wave of people coming back to it. Yes. And yeah. going, hey, you know what? It is fun. Because if you look at that point in the Friday series, I mean. you. What else can they fucking do? I mean, he's already mm. gone to hell. He's already been worms. He's already been different people. Hell, he went to the Big Apple. Right? <laughs> well, well, for, well, he went to the, <laughs> he went to like a Big Apple slice. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I, I see what you did there. I think we mentioned it last episode, but. In the title, or in the, in the in the in theory, it's in space, and right from the get go, it's in space. We don't go to hell till the very end. Mm-hmm. We don't go to you know Manhattan till the very end. So at least up front, it's saying right. we're going to give you what you want. Yeah, this is what you want. This this is what you get. Space <sighs> Jace, do the Jason. <laughs> now would it be through a more metallic though, since he's. <sighs> so I. <laughs> So I guess the question is, I didn't watch it with the subtitles, so I don't know if he, if he laughed laugh. or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is Uber Jason. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but it's one of those movies that you can just throw on in the background. Mm-hmm. Or if you are a hardcore Jason fan or a Jason X fan from back in the day like me, you yeah. know, it's one of those movies that, OK, you know what you're like you said, you know what you're getting into Jason in space. I mean, if it doesn't if you're not at least intrigued by that title, by that description alone, this movie might not be for you, you know? Now, that being said, since you are more of an actioneer, what would you point us in a direction of a space-based actioneer that would be on par, potentially, with a Jason X? Aliens. Yeah, aliens. <laughs> like, the, the, the entire, like, the entirety of the gun pieces that they use against Jason is mm-hmm. just, it's it's Vasquez. I mean, that's exactly what it is. Okay. I was waiting for someone to say, let's rock. Yeah. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Space Jason versus Scott Atkins. Ooh. 
are we talking Boyka Scott Atkins or Avengement Scott Atkins? Ooh, um, Boyka. Boyka, hands down, like 630. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. No, uh, nothing against Jason, but he stands no ch- ch- chance. <laughs> <laughs> boo. <laughs> Earns. <laughs> I was saying boo, Earns. I was enjoying that. All right. I actually enjoyed that as well because I was just imagining like Boyka would literally walk across Crystal Lake to get to Jason. Man, I'm going to kick this motherfucker out into space. (laughs) And see, that's the thing. See, that's the thing. It wouldn't be like in Manhattan where he's like, okay, I'm tired. Take your best shot. No, no. Boyka doesn't get tired. No, no, absolutely not. No, Boyka could probably rip Jason in half. But given the fact instead of a Boyka, we get a pretty badass android Mm -hmm. stepping in. Which, Lisa fucking Ryder. Lisa Ryder for an Andromeda. Which, and as we were mentioning off mic, you were like, well, why is everyone in, you know, everyone's in the The, the Resident up. Evil bondage gear. But, I mean, <laughs> but that was the style at the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, the robot had an onion tied to the belt. It, 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 but that's what you did. I mean, you could see how the influence was felt. Yeah. The aesthetics mm-hmm. still the, carried over. The post-Matrix world. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. And even in your horror film, you're still going to get those effects, which mm-hmm. still made it part of its time because this film does feel very late 90s early aughts andromeda yeah <laughs> andromeda that whole slate of evening programming we will not touch that <laughs> no final thoughts on jason x here there one dustin i liked it I, I think this is gonna be one of those ones i don't necessarily watch all the time but i'm not gonna miss it when it's just kind of randomly pops up yeah that is fair that yeah. is fair now one that you did see in the theater to one that we found out was a first time viewing mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Bill Paxton directed Frailty. Were you familiar with this one? I was familiar with the title alone. I, I knew that the you know the movie existed, but it was one of those ones I never actually like got around to watching. And mm-hmm. I, I kind of feel bad about it now because I really like the movie. Yeah. Well, what would you think? I liked it a lot, and I thought McConaughey played kind of like the the subtle, deranged, really well. Um, anytime you put Powers Booth in a movie, I'm going to watch it because <laughs> yeah. I love Powers Booth. With... So did you know that he was in that in advance? No, no. I didn't notice until he walked in. What did you know about the movie aside from like the name? That's it. That's it. That's that's all I knew about. I didn't, I didn't. And, and this is one of the things that I've always tried to do, you know, because I've been on into the mouth of March Madness before. Mm-hmm. If I've not seen a movie, I don't go out and look for the trailers. I don't go out and look at reviews. I don't try to do that if I've not seen it. Yeah. You know, because I, I want to try to come into these as fresh as I possibly can, because I don't want to be because I me mean, a lot of these movies are 20, 30 you know, years old. I don't want to be jaded by somebody else's you know, dissertation on why frailty is not a good movie or why it's the best movie ever. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I didn't look at anything other than just seeing, oh, okay, it's Bill Paxson and Matthew McConaughey. And I, and I started thinking about, I was like, into the mouth of March Madness, why are we watching like a, like a horror film with Matthew McConaughey in the first place? I mean, that's, that's really what mm-hmm. I thought, mm-hmm. you know? And then when, and when he comes on screen, he kind of plays like the, the real demure, like we think he's the brother but he's really not the brother. Right. And he goes after, you know, uh, uh, of, oh, course, of course, spoilers. Yes, yeah, spoiler away. Yeah. But, but then he goes after, he, he kind of does this whole setup of Powers Booth, mm-hmm. you know, being ultimately a bad guy. And he kind of leads him on talking about, oh, well, that that's your mom kind of deal. And it kind of sh- rubs Powers Booth the wrong way. And then you get the, the Bill Paxson, you know, backstory, you know, as the dad that's touched by the angel and, right. you know, all the other stuff. And it's like, I really enjoyed the, kind of like the I hate time jumps but the way that they did them in the film where they kind of went present day talking to Powers Booth and then they went back and kind of gave you the backstory of the brothers and the dad Mm -hmm. and why they did what they did I really enjoyed the way they did it yeah 
the uh, Powers booth and McConaughey almost played like a horror usual suspects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very much. And then, so question, did the um, motive behind what was going on, did it give you like, I mean, would you qualify this as horror? Would you, did it give you enough creeps? And Definitely, because it's, it's like supernatural horror. You know, it's not one of those things where it's like just slashers, but I mean, you, you've got a lot of people and, and what makes in my mind, what makes this a horror film is that you can literally see this in society because you have people that believe they have been, you know, spoken to by a higher being. Mm-hmm. And you can see like some of the, you know, the, the Zodiac killer and, and some of the different people that, that claim that they've had like these, I guess, like otherworldly beings tell them to do these things brushes with god right you can see this in real life so it's kind of like you know just playing out what real life would be at on on the silver screen yeah so that's fair what'd you think about the twist or the ending where it's possibly they're correct i thought that was really slick you know because <laughs> I, I always thought when when i watched the the first part and you know they, they get to the part where powers booth kind of has the 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 portion where they're in like the laundry and, and he they show Powers Booth actually murdering his mom, his mom. Mm-hmm. you know that part I was like okay I I, I could kind of see where that was going, but then when like he shakes his hand at the end of the film, and, and he goes you're a good man you know where he talks to the other FBI agent he goes, you're a good man I'm like mm-hmm. I like that aspect of it because all along he was truthful to his character they he he, he wasn't doing it because he was delusional you know he had this otherworldly power yeah. yeah. So one more thing. What did you think about the direction of Bill Paxton? This is because it's his directorial debut. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And we've we've talked about this with different actors trying to jump into the director's seat. They try to direct themselves too much. I think he played deranged really good mm-hmm. yeah. and like unhinged. Well, and it's a the great connective tissue technically between these films is the reference and the homages to Aliens, mm-hmm. which features one Bill Paxton in a very memorable role. And like I said last last week, it just it made it made me miss Bill Paxton. Yeah, yeah. Bill Paxton, the actor. What we could have had with Bill Paxton, the, the director. director. Mm. Yeah, because as a debut, it was oh. great. Well, and I I legitimately love that he went the horror route. Yeah, and he went in a very ambiguous way, and I think that's the reason we're still talking about it, and the reason why it was probably a nice surprise for you. Yeah, I'm, and I'm just imagining being with you at that time, just like when Powers Booth shows up, and just like doesn't yeah, all right. <laughs> kind of perk up a little. It's like, oh, there's, there's Powers Booth. So I know you too well. Did you sing along <laughs> when it was like, I got that joy, joy, I did, joy, I did. I totally <laughs> had the Rod and Todd Flanders. Yeah, it was like, I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? <laughs> I, t- I, I cracked up when I did that. And then when he was like, no, just sing along. And I'm like. <laughs> and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew you would because I did the same fucking thing. Well, I immediately started laughing right when they started singing it. I was just like, because I, I pictured <laughs> that right. Simpsons episode. It was just like, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, that's the same thing. That's that like cemented my love for this movie. Once that happened, I was like, I am in for this movie, whatever it does. In for a penny, in for a pound. Exactly, do it. exactly. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> well, I even remember back in the day when there was build up to the film, uh, a lot of the social media things. That, and again, this is 2001, so technically I was still perusing like com and E-bombs world. (laughs) Chud.com. We had JoeBlow.com. Those were the main movie sites at the time. But I even remember some of the on-set stuff because it was shot in Austin in that area. So, of course, Ain't It Cool was there. But I remember the on-set photos of, like, Otis, the axe. And I was like, okay, that's very 
distinctive and you know different it's like i like already like what we're seeing here so that being said going from something as just fantastical as jason x to something as grounded in kind of reality Reality, because i mean we've seen shit like that you know where like religious zealots and people what they believe do terrible shit mm-hmm. we haven't seen uber jason but we yet you know when i when i was watching that movie for the first time what it reminded me of is if you take the brad pitt character out of seven and you just have morgan freeman with kevin spacey like mm-hmm. that would be the mcconaughey Bo- uh, powers booth like dynamic yeah it was a really good dynamic that they had no it, it, the chemistry was there everything worked and for someone that's a first-time director mm-hmm. it's incredible yeah yeah and i'm glad it was your a good first time. Oh, viewing. dude, I, I appreciated the movie all the way through. Yeah. Well, obviously, uh, we loved both of these films, but only one can advance into the round of The Hateful Eight, and we have two bits of criteria that we are going to examine here to, again, show our work. But you know what? We have a criteria that is just so nice that we do it twice. We're going to ask which of the two films is closer to your heart. Closer to the heart. <laughs> That was really good. That was really good. That yeah. was really good. You stuck so, the landing. <laughs> Getty Lee would be proud, my friend. Right on. So I'm going to throw it to our guest here. Uh, Dustin, which of the two, Jason X or Frailty, is closer to your heart? Honestly, Frailty. And I, know, I realize that's oh, nice. kind of weird saying that, you know, just being the first time viewing. But I love Powers Booth. And I love Bill Paxson. So, I mean, that... It ma- just like Greg said, it made me miss Bill Paxson and what we could have seen from him because I saw some stuff that he did after Frailty, mm-hmm. you know, some of the the made for HBO movies and stuff mm-hmm. that he did, and it just all those things. Even watching Near Dark, it just makes me appreciate him as like a genuine actor, like one of those guys that can play goofy, can play kind of like the sidekick, can play like the the serious guy, and can play unhinged. Mm. You know, I think we would have gotten a lot more out of him for a longer period of time. No, totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Genius. Frailty is amazing. I saw it in the theater. Um, I loved it ever since, like the the Rod and Todd Flanders. <laughs> you know? That just so, that sealed the deal. But God damn it, I love Jason X. Jason X just hit me at the time. It had all the people that I liked from my Andromeda program. You know, <laughs> it had Cronenberg. It had Uber Jason. It delivered. It's one of those ones that no matter where I'll see it at. Whether it be the Grenasty or walking on channel surfing, if it's on, I'll fucking watch it. Um, I think it's one of those versatile movies. And so I'm going to go for Closer to the Heart. I got to go Jason X. Got to go with my boy Jason. Excellent work. Excellent work. And here's the my conundrum is I did see both of these in the theater. Uh, this was technically my first Friday film, so that a lot of nostalgia there, but... You know, after the Friday film, I didn't have an anxiety and panic attack when I thought I lost my cousin potentially to a serial killer when she was merely just standing outside. And that will forever haunt my experience. So I for that, you can't lose, you know, lose that to nostalgia. So frailty gets my vote there. But from the heart to the head, if you were to remove one of these films, which one would leave the year of 2001 poorer? Dustin, we're going to go ahead and start with you. If you remove frailty, easily makes 2001 lesser. I mean, and and that's not to take away. I kind of see genius cringing. It's either that or he's having a heart attack, one of the two. But no, no, no. No, I think it's it's one of those things where I've I've seen enough Jasons, you know, and so they had to take him to space to make it somewhat fresh, right? But frailty, you, you can 
you can never really go wrong with like a psychological thriller. You can never really, I mean, because you can take that so many different places. There's only so many places you can take a hockey mask wearing killer. All right. You know, I mean, that's just me. So, yeah. No, I would say frailty. Here's where I'm stuck at. Mm -hmm. If you take away Jason X, eventually he's going to go into space. You know, he has saying? nowhere else to go. Right. Eventually, he's going to go into space. And even if exactly he does, an he officer doesn't. and a Jason, an officer and a Voorhees. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but eventually, he would go to space. But at the same time, Frailty is one of those movies where a lot of people still haven't seen. Even like some of the hardcore horror fans, right. if you're like, man, have you seen Frailty? I don't know mm -hmm. what you're talking about. You know, not even I've seen that. Yeah. So it almost it's like it's already gone. So that's where I'm trying to figure okay. out w which one would be would leave it poorer. Um, <clears throat> I think because you would eventually get a Jason X. Taking frailty out would truly leave something special. And so I'm on my vote is for frailty. It, it's tough, I, especially based on your, your premise. I really like that. That's really looking deep into this. And for me, it's not necessarily simple, but it's kind of along, along the signs of what you both said is we've got a lot of Fridays. We've gone all over with them. We if that With this kind of a franchise, they will reach space eventually. But you only get one Bill Paxton directorial debut that is a horror film that's a deep cut horror film and it's a horror film that hopefully more people will discover mm -hmm. and because of that yeah if you remove that oh we're we're missing a lot and oh my goodness by a count of 5 to 1 frailty has laid its hands upon jason seen the misdeeds done in space and there's a lot of misdeeds done in space i mean i'm sure otis had a hard time but a a, a, a good chunk was taken out <laughs> and making its way into the round of the hateful aid is bill paxton's frailty much deserved i might say i'm really you know that what? was a good fight i think so as well well you know what you know friday the 13th has always been very well represented in the mouth of march madness in fact of course technically uh when did uh you know friday the original did win last year so this is that's true the franchise is out this 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 uh one but but it leads up to our next matchup, and this is the one I'm really looking forward to because if there was one film we have ever programmed for Into the Mouth of March Madness. <laughs> Specifically for one person. <laughs> I don't think we could do any better with either or of the films we're going to be talking about in our next matchup. We have The Brotherhood of the Wolf going up against Bones. Oh, which of these two shall we go into first there, Dustin? Mm, let's go and talk about Bones first. Jim Bones, that you mine? Let's turn, turn right, but... Okay, okay. <laughs> Listen to the banter. Listen to the banter. <laughs> Is this one that you saw in the theater? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, With me! Come on, it's Snoop. <laughs> With me! Snoop-a-loop! Snoop-a-loop, bring your green hat! <laughs> I had to ask. I had to ask inquiring mind. We don't like to assume here on the show. <laughs> So that being said, how long has it been since you've seen it then? Oh, quote it or seen it? I mean, because we, Genius and I quote this thing probably once or twice a week. Well, um, around to behind you, mine. No, I've probably seen it probably five, six years maybe. Okay. So, so it's, it's, been it's been a, a while. while. Yeah, yeah. And this was my, I, I saw it last year in the theater for the first time, but I've become really accustomed to it because I did pick up the Blu-ray that Scream Factory put out, which is wonderful and mm -hmm. phenomenal. But um, my biggest kind of takeaway is, does it, you know, hold up, you know, this many years later? And then why didn't it have an audience? Because obviously 
you all saw it in the theater. Jimmy Bones was the shit. And this is another one. I don't know if it's on par with Frailty, just in terms of a, a horror film that a lot of people aren't familiar with. But this is another one that a lot of people aren't familiar with. Why do you think it went under the radar? Honestly, I think it polarized a lot of people because at the time Snoop was, you know, I think he was under no limit at that point, right? So I mean, I he, think so. He he wasn't yeah, he wasn't at the like the chronic like the the you know the chronic Dr. Dre Snoop Dogg that everybody remembers. So everybody was like, oh, he's just trying to cash in on a movie, you know. So I think some people some people will gravitate away from it just because it's Snoop, you know. Some people will yeah. gravitate toward it because it is Snoop, but I think it was far enough away from like his very peak of popularity that some people just saw it as a cash grab and that's unfortunate that is because if you look at the pedigree of the film you know directed by Ernest Dickerson who surviving the game oh yeah that's an all-timer and even Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight but I like the fact that Snoop went into genre oh yeah because you can tell he loves horror I mean like he even his next movie after that was Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, which is a <laughs> which is a kind of a cool anthology, and I genuinely enjoyed that one. So like he's all about like doing that kind of shit. But the fact of the matter is, you put the the money and the talent and all that, and you put a really cool villain out there with a really interesting story, but yet nobody, even to this day, I'm sure there's people who would be like, "Hey, you've heard of Bones? Is that that Snoop Dogg one? Have you seen it?" No, but I've heard of it. It's a it's a classic. I've seen that. Yeah, because everyone knows. Yeah, that's that horror film with Snoop Dogg. I think maybe people think because there's not a good track record of like musicians turned actors. Right. That right. this is another one of those. Well, it's but the best thing is, is he is truly like a titular character where he is only in maybe five minutes mm-hmm. of the film in total. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily need 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 him to act you just need him to have his presence it's it's snoop dog of course he's got a presence but then again a killer pimp a killer ghost pimp is usually good not natured like, killer ghost pimp, right isn't normally the biggest draw around there is you know because it's kind of like because even with like movies like like sleepaway camp or 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 candy man or and even like the grudge you really don't know what it is until you actually see it but with with bones you know it's snoop dogg as a killer ghost pimp so yeah but unlike the ring and all the other movies that you mentioned they don't live in fucking castle grayskull like he did that's true that hotel was fucking (laughs) the fucking unhappiness hotel and the fact that they're gonna like hey gang let's put on a show man (laughs) that there was an actual portal to hell that was a cool fucking place yeah Potentially, then, is that would have happened? I'd go club in there if, like, Electric Tube, you know, uh, Snoopaloop. Yeah, yeah, breaking Electric Snoopaloop. Yeah, they were you were breaking on a portal to hell. Mm-hmm. Is is this like the dark side of old school? You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the thing that I love about the movie is that the story holds up really well. There is actually some good, like, societal messages going mm-hmm. on in the mm-hmm. film. And you've got some crazy effects work by Tony Gardner. And that's the thing that always has stood out to me is the level of the bodies and the gore to this day. That is just one of those things that sticks with me, yeah. which is appropriate given the visceral nature of everything. Uh, Pam Greer. Oh, exactly. Fantastic. Which, fantastic. which sadly and unfortunately, the, the reason and we could have possibly had, imagine if we would have had Ghost of Mars going up against Bones. Right, Pam Greer double feature. A Pam Greer going up against, so my apologies there. And That's also, right. You could have Jason Statham, Jason but you didn't Statham. want him. See this Because he had hair. <laughs> it was weird. I would never say anything was ever <laughs> fixed. 
<laughs> but if there was ever a reason to make sure Ghost of Mars didn't advance <laughs> was to make sure we didn't have dueling, uh, dueling Stathams. Stathams. G- Ghost of Mars, a.k.a. hashtag stop the steal. Right? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just glad Ian McShane wasn't in those, one of those movies either. Oh, hell. We fucked. <laughs> You'd have some Ricola drops. You'd, you'd need I to know. Drop <laughs> Especially if it came out in the year 2000. <laughs> In the year 2000, <laughs> and one. <laughs> My lord, how how does the... This is madness. This is madness. Let's go back to the Unhappiness Hotel. Mm-hmm. Did you recognize by any chance Catherine Isabel from any of the uh, other horror films we may have subjected you to? No, not that I can think of off the top of my head. Do you think he would dig Ginger Snaps at all? Yeah, I think he'd dig American Mary. Pro- and then also, have you ever seen Freddy versus Jason? Oh yeah, yeah. Technically, she was rocking the red hat, a la the um, the um. Oh my goodness, uh, PJ Souls from Carrie. No mm-hmm. offense, I only saw Freddy versus Jason once. Okay. No, I don't blame the, you. That was in the theater, and it was just like I don't blame you with him. Yeah, of course. I don't. Blame it, you. It, it hurt my heart a little. Yeah, bit. Yeah, it did. Anyway, it's fair. That is fair. No, you know what didn't hurt my heart here is Bones. Now, final thoughts on Bones before we head on over into a historical drama. Again, this was a fun movie. Yeah, and, and the special effects were pretty damn special. Mm-hmm. The reanimation of Bones was kick ass. Yeah, it was. It was very Hellraiserian. Oh, it totally gave me that that vibe. It's like I, that definitely shows the love of horror, you know, because like, hey, let's put a little bit of Hellraiser. Let's put a little bit of Nightmare on Elm Street on there. Let's put a little bit of this. Let's put a little bit of that. The Jimmy Bones under the stairs. Right. <laughs> and let's make it an homage to the killer pimp movies of the 70s, mm-hmm. like JD's Revenge or Cherry Street, you know? So well, I like the fact that Ernest Dickerson, very much like a Neil Marshall, will take a bunch of elements and just make a really cool mixtape mm-hmm. the way that he did with like Doomsday. But Wait, why don't we have Michael McDowell? <laughs> Michael McDowell. <laughs> Michael McDonald. Yeah. Jimmy Bones, is that you mine? Sorry, called you Snoop Dogg. Turn around behind you. What a Snoop believes. <laughs> that, that's some fan fiction that needs to be written right there. He's pulling his Michael McDonald's head, but it's in like the sailor hat. It's a little captain's hat. I don't want to go to the wall of hell. Giacomo Bones. <laughs> We've gone way off course. So <laughs> off course. What is it with the unhappiness of the hotel? You just keep leaving and we're going elsewhere. <laughs> you know what? It is time to check out. Right. From Bones into the Brotherhood of the Wolf. Because well, you said you're surprised Michael McDonald was yeah. Michael McDowell. I, uh, Michael, <laughs> Michael, I don't know why I said Michael, Michael Myers is fucking dead. But... <laughs> It's it's kind of like my Jonathan Winters, Jonathan Price, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my Anywho. goodness! Oh my, yeah, that's my apologies, Greg. <laughs> no, my apologies no. for my misspeak. Oh, oh, <laughs> that sent I'm, us down the rabbit hole. <laughs> the the pauses there are me giggling. I so. would love to see Michael McDonald and Michael McDowell. That's funny. <laughs> Toads, my goats. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> How about some eggs, my drugs? I think we broke Greg. <laughs> the problem is I'm trying to reel it in, but at the same time, I think he's reading it as just keep it going, keep it going. Well, the thing, there's more ideas. I could just see Michael McDonald as like a drogue outfit and clockwork orange, but instead of like the black derby, it's the captain's hat, you know? <laughs> Oh, 
<sighs> fucking, he's pushed down on the chair with his eyes open, having to watch like yacht rock. Or yacht rock. <laughs> Jim Bones. Okay, we're done. <clears throat> so on the head of the heart. Let's talk about let's talk about brother head of the wolf. <laughs> we got wow, we've got you. We got to really reel you in here, my friend. <laughs> okay, yeah. Thankfully, there was a period appropriate music throughout Brotherhood of the Wolf, so I don't know if we'll veer into that territory potentially. But you said you saw bones in the theater. Mm-hmm. By any chance, what was your uh, relationship with Brotherhood of the Wolf? <laughs> it was, we saw it at one of the smallest theaters, didn't we? I remember seeing it in the theater, but I can't remember who it was with. Was it the Tivoli? It had to have been, or the Glenwood. One of, one of the two, I can't remember which one it was, but it was not like AMC, Cinemark, or any of, the, any of those. It, I did see it in the Tivoli, so it, it, it was, I know it played there. So ideally, that may have been yeah. where you experienced it. Who knows, it. man? We could have been in the same theater. We just didn't know each other then. <laughs> not the 42nd Street Theater. What the hell's wrong with you? We did not pass through a beaded curtain. However, however. It is a Monica Bellucci jam, so. Th- there were a few scenes that definitely would have made people feel potentially uncomfortable. But is this one that is in your regular rotation at all? Or? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Because it's it's part martial arts, part horror film, you know? And well, and this was the movie that technically is the one that was the genesis of going, well, you know what? With this movie being in this year's... Just for the odd chance if it does go on, we need to have Maldi up in here. Because this features an actor that I had kind of a recent renaissance with the John Wick Mm -hmm. uh, universe. uh, One Mark Dacascus as Monty, who is just awesome. He fucking steals the show. Oh, and, and can we talk about like the Pantene Pro V like hair commercial that he's got all the way through this film? There's one part where he like gets ready to throw the hatchet and he like flips his hair back and it looks like a Fabio moment. It's ridiculous. And it's in slow motion, so it's fucking rad. Now here's the question. If you could have a hair off between him and the guy from Creep Show Two, who would win? Well, in a hair off it'd be Creep Show Two because <laughs> Mark Dukoskis hair never got him paid and laid. That's fair. That's fair. No. The inclusion of him in this movie and the fact that we are getting some high-level martial arts, some high-level violence, some high-level gore. In a creature feature. And a creature feature. Also in a fairly accurate period mm. creature feature. Like, it is so many things in one that it I had not watched it since that, that theatrical experience. And it was such a pleasant rewatch because all of those things... I didn't remember at the time. Yeah. I think even when we watched it, we were just like, oh, man, I don't remember this. It's like, I cannot believe this is happening. Why haven't I watched this since all the way back in 2001? And it's fucking beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, just in scope. Yeah, the, the and, French countryside and right? all the shots. And, and even the action scenes, like in the when they're fighting in the mud and the rain, mm-hmm. and, and uh, he's showing off his sweet bow staff skills. Like, <sighs> right? He's over there just beating the shit out of everybody and blood everywhere, and it's still gorgeous. The night shots when the beast is coming out, it's terrifying and beautiful. It's a fucking wonderful movie. So here's a question for you, Dustin. Uh, What kind of a film would you pair with Brotherhood of the Wolf? Oh, Jesus. That's a maybe The Relic. Maybe. 
Oh. 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 With Tom okay, Sizemore? with Tom Sizemore yeah. and Penelope yeah. and Warren? Yeah. That's a good movie. That's a good choice. And the only reason why I thought about that is because when I watched Brotherhood of the Wolf the first time, it's like that beast. Mm-hmm. And Okay, so I'm sorry. kind of go off on a tangent here. But can we really, <laughs> appre- can we really appreciate this movie for the fact that they don't even reveal the monster until almost three quarters of the way through the film. They never even fucking reveal the monster. Well, you, you know what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. you, you, you right, just, right, right. You, like, at the beginning of the movie, you see the woman getting, like, bashed against the rock you by the, the unseen monster. Right. But you don't actually get to see it until, like, lamb chops slay along when you see the little <laughs> lamb down in the mud pit, right? right? You don't actually see the monster until then. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that's very the Jaws approach. Yeah. Yeah. And then even then, you still don't, after you see, like, okay, what is it? It's still never, it's just a beast All right i forgot had it is technically an armored beast that was taken from its native land which yeah. is fucking rad in itself it was fucking dude. battle cat yeah it was <laughs> it was fucking battle cat and it was slick because he had the retractable metal claws and the teeth that fucking moved that was a fuck i sure do bad, like them teethuses it was a badass monster very cool creature design mm-hmm. even though we didn't get a lot of good looks at it mm-hmm. well and you had to technically try to mix up the practical and the cg right. mm-hmm. and given that this is 20 years ago the cg i didn't think for the most part was bad but i did recently watch uh jurassic park and it's incredible to see how that cgi has aged now obviously of course budget right, you know, limitations right. what have you but it's it's kind of incredible that I don't think we've really reached that point in CGI even to this day that we did back in 94, mm-hmm. which is bizarre. Sorry, sorry, that's not even... No, 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 but no. It's just, I thought it was handled well in this, but I did appreciate the practical more when they were able to do that versus right. what we got with the digital. And I want a tri-pointed hat. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck they yeah, are, I want You the, just want to look like Captain Crunch. Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> If I was dressed up like fucking Samuel Adams walking around, I'm like, dude, it'd be the shit. I, I want to be dressed up like Samuel Jackson. Right? Mm-mm, bitch! It'll get you drunk! <laughs> but no, no. the Everything about this was pretty. Yeah. I mean, and, everything. And I totally forgot about the big epic sword fight at the end. Mm-hmm. And just the inclusion of that just added to kind of the insanity and just, oh, we're going to add this genre in here as well. And gory, because there was even procedural aspects of it when they're doing like autopsies yeah. and shit. Well, there, there were a couple shots that you were talking about, like just like the the, the pretty factor of the film. Mm-hmm. There, there's one shot in particular where all they do is they focus in on a puddle during the rain, and it's like one of the best shots of the film. Yeah. You just see like the the ripples from the the puddle, and then don't even get me started on the 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 like the angel swan dive underneath the spiked log when they fight the beast. That was slick. That Ex- was fucking slick. That is some shit I still have yet to see in another action movie now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. No, no it's... it's it, uh, speaking of pairings, I think I would pair it with Doomsday. Yeah. Because it's one of those movies that, kind of like Bones, how we were talking about, just throws all kinds of shit at it and mixes it up, and it works. It totally works. It that, just works. And this is another one that you could, like, because it was at the Tivoli... You guarantee you had some people. <laughs> they go regardless because of the programming. High cinema. <laughs> and I will say that is why I always did love the Tivoli because you could see. I, I saw Dead Alive there back in the day. Uh, saw Blair Witch back in the day. Saw Dogma back in the day. Just some fantastic screenings. This is a martial arts creature feature disguised <laughs> as, as a, a fancy as a period, period piece. piece. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, because at its essence, it's a fucking. Two bounty hunters are going after a monster. They're monster hunters, basically. Yep. Yep. And it's just in their in the French countryside with with 
with all sorts of wonderful things. And if you guys want to actually go back into your guys' back catalog with Media Rewind, if that kind of a premise appeals to you or just anything, you guys actually covered the Into the Badlands series. Mm-hmm. So just those... Ca- that I could see the beast in the Badlands. I could do. Yeah, just a big metal beast. Yeah, his name's Sherman Augustus. He had a metal hand. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a quiet armadillo to me, so I think the Baron will claim him. Well, obviously, we enjoyed both of these films, but only one can make its way into the next round. So, Dustin, which of these two films, Brotherhood of the Wolf or Bones, is closer to your heart? Uh, Closer to my heart would be Brotherhood of the Wolf, just because I'm more of a like kung fu, martial art, action kind of guy. I, I, yeah. I like those movies. That's just more in my wheelhouse. That's totally fair. So, That's totally fair. Genius. Gene Bones, that you, man? <laughs> Bones. Bones. I fucking love Bones. I love Snoop. Snoop Loop, <laughs> Snoop Loop. I I fucking I dig this movie a lot, and the fact that I quote it regularly, it's closer to my heart. I love Brotherhood of the Wolf. I fucking dig it immensely. But yeah, I was gonna I say, go Bones. You, you don't quote it constantly. And no, I'm just starting to think of some of the lines in Brotherhood of the Wolf that you could incorporate into your everyday vernacular. <laughs> Ooh la la, Sessa. Yeah, it's just oh, not gonna soup. work. <laughs> the beast is metal. so this one was definitely tough for me in fact this is the one i really had nothing prepared for because i did see them both in the theater the first time but bones was a repertory screening back on a terror tuesday but man there was something i even just talked about the tivoli and all the movies that i did see there that were horror that were genre that were classy there is a bit of nostalgia for that, and I'm glad they still exist. Um, hopefully, as this goes in March, uh, I know they're uh, existing right now at the Nelson. Uh, no, yeah, the Nelson Museum. So you can still potentially see some excellent genre fare. But yeah, no, Ooh, for fancy. for nostalgia, I'm going to definitely go with Brotherhood of the Wolf. Now, again, from the heart to the head, if you were to remove one of these films from the year of 2001, which one would leave the year poorer? Dustin, let us start with you. My year. Okay, this is just mine personally. This is not like cinema overall. I think if you remove Bones from 2001 for me, it would make it a lesser year. Because honestly, Bones is when Snoop turned from being just a gangster rapper to actually being a personality to me. You know, so I, I, I love Pam Greer. You know, almost everything that she's done has been an absolute bullseye for me. I think she's a phenomenal actress. She carries her power when she's on screen is just incredible, whether or not it be in a ghost of Mars or a Jackie Brown, (laughs) you know, so you just have that type of like gravity to that, that character. So for me, it's bones. Excellent work, my friend genius. Um, this is again, kind of a hard one because both of these movies are seldom seen. You know, I think Mm -hmm. like if you even, again, going back to the argument we did about earlier, Hey, have you seen Bones? I've seen that. Have you seen Brotherhood of the Wolf? I've seen that, you know. But who the, like, eight out of, eight out of ten dentists agree. (laughs) Four out of five horror fans will probably have not seen one of these movies. Um, But, so which one would we leave poorer? Um, I think Brotherhood of the Wolf, if we lost that, we would lose something just so unheard of unseen as much as i love bones there are other supernatural slashers out there but there's not a lot of kung fu period horror procedural (laughs) with creature features out Mm -hmm. there and so i think for that reason i'm in my vote is brotherhood of the wolf this is tough for me as well um 
listen, there there are a lot of werewolf films out there. There are a lot of unique werewolf films. There's Wolf Cop. You know, that's a very, <laughs> uh, don't I'm on, uh, don't make me fall. There's a dicey outside. Be careful, yeah. <laughs> You've got a number of werewolf films that address a number of issues. You know, the howling is a weird, wonderful metaphor for sexuality. Um, you don't have a lot of black horror. Uh, go to the there's a really great documentary on Shutter Horror Noir. Talks about the black experience in horror films. And I think with a, with a director like Ernest Dickerson, who has a really by any chance, do you guys see Juice back in the day? Juice, hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. fucking yeah, Juice. That, is you know, shit. that's Ernest Dickerson, and he has touched a number of different genres, and he does it so well. And as unique as Brotherhood of the Wolf is, it exists in a very well-established genre. But with Bones, man, it's just it's the reason why it probably didn't do as well, just because it doesn't have a really established foundation. So I do think if you take away Bones, you're you're taking away a film again that no one's a seen and they need to because it is so entertaining. And here's what's rough, gentlemen. We have a tie. Oh shit. Bum bum bum. Now in the case of a tie, mm-hmm. we have been going to the cover of a very familiar magazine. On the cover of the old thing, go gonna buy one copy for my mother. Gonna watch some movies on Shutter. Gonna see my gruesome face on the cover of the old Fango. And here's the issue. Oh, shit. <laughs> Quite literally. On the inside of the old Fango. <laughs> neither of them are featured on the main issues, the main, you know, splash cover. Mm-hmm. But both of them had articles on the side. Son of a bitch. <laughs> on the index of the old Fango. So I've got, I'm going to throw it out there. What should we do in lieu of the tiebreaker of the tiebreaker? Mm, well, last time we had a tiebreaker, we went to music. Okay, let's look. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's Snoop. 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 Bones. Snoop. <laughs> Snoop. As much as I love, like, you know, the sweeping scores and shit, dude, Snoop. Fucking Snoop. Well, Snoop a loop, whatever it is, has advanced his way into the round of the Hateful Eight. And in that round, oh my goodness, we have frailty versus bones. Versus bones. <laughs> Two opposite ends. <laughs> At least in frailty and brotherhood of the wolf, like, okay, dramatic horror, but like, no. <laughs> it's I got that joy, 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 joy down in my heart, bitch. Down in my heart, bitch. Down in my heart. That's so yeah. That's so horrible. That's so horrible. <laughs> well, regardless, we could have not advanced into this rex- next round and gotten through this without the help of one Dustin Pryor. As always, thank you so no, much. I, I appreciate the talk, man. You this talk was... about a, 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 just a litany of my favorite movies. <laughs> and Michael McDonald. <laughs> Watch you turn around and see who's behind you, Mong. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you see? <laughs> if we don't hear Michael McDonald in the next season of Media Rewind and The Walking Dead somehow, I'm it's right not, answer. Hillbilly <laughs> justice. So make sure to tune in with that. And of course, our next round. Now we have the guests lined up, but not recorded. So I don't want to jinx it. But let's just say we'll potentially be going overseas and a particular person. So until that time, we are not. Oh, wait, hold on. Literally, we'll be back here in just a minute. Yeah, we'll be back. I got the joy, joy, 
right, gang, we are back. And as we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, let us again thank Dustin Pryor from the Media Rewind Podcast. Fuck him. (laughs) (laughs) And let us say goodbye, farewell, and adieu to both the Brotherhood of the Wolf and Jason X. Well, I guess uh, in space no one can hear you howl. No one can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, genius, what a difference a year makes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> especially when that year's 2020. You're not kidding, because this time last year, not only were we in the middle of Into the Mouth of March Madness, but we were basically still recovering from the Panic Film Festival. Mm-hmm. Oh, recovering is the proper word. I think very proper. Now, it's weird, though, is right now we're not recovering. In fact, technically, we're preparing. We're getting ready for more Panic. Absolutely. Yeah. So things have changed a little bit. So the Panic Film Fest is coming back starting on uh, April 8th. And, of course, you can get all the information at panicfilmfest.com. But the reason I'm talking about the Panic Film Festival, and especially last year's Panic Film Festival, mm-hmm. is we like to say at Panic Fest, you make memories. Yes. You make a lot of memories. And if you're really lucky, not only do you make memories, but occasionally you can expand your film family and make friends. Mm-hmm. And we were so fortunate enough to be able to kind of chronicle the journey of a particular participant and parishioner from last year's Panic Film Fest. The bell of the ball. Absolutely. Now, you might know him as the host of Let's Survive, a little gaming YouTube channel that is gaining popularity and is also expanding its content, guest, all sorts of wonderful things associated with it. Patty plays, baby. Absolutely. Or you might just know him as the writer and director of 2019's The Perished, which did play at 2020's Panic Film Festival mm-hmm. and is currently streaming on Amazon Prime. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead, the one and only Patty Murphy. Guys, I miss you so much. Come <laughs> save me. Bring me, to, bring me to Kansas City. I miss you. I can't deal with this. Oh, we miss you, too. We miss you since, like, the day after Panic Fest. It was ridiculous because, like... We came back to do another hosting gig like on that Monday, and we were all thinking, like, man, we wish Patty was here. Shit, you know? <laughs> I came back and I was watching like the, the highlights of like the Super Bowl, and it was just KC, and people were going crazy because the Super Bowl was on the Sunday. I came back on the Thursday, and I was just like, oh, imagine how cool KC would be right now. What, what could I do? As cool as it was, my friend, it wasn't as cool no. because there was still that Patty shaped hole in all of our lives. But the interesting thing about it is, is that Panic Fest was almost a, the great cherry on top before the world closed. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? I keep saying this. I'm so glad we got to have that one week of like pure magic before the world shut down. Yeah. Like, we were the lucky ones, guys. We were the lucky ones. Very word to get it under the wire like that, because I think everything shut down like a week, two weeks after Panic yeah. Fest wrapped up. God damn, that's insane how that happens. Well, and even, you know, just in terms of local filmmaking here, you know, Jill Gavargazian's The Stylist yeah, pretty much wrapped right before everything got shut down as well. So it was just happenstance and quite honestly was probably the fuel I think a lot of us needed to get through this past year. Mm-hmm. I believe so, yeah, 100%. Because it was what, like, I, I kept thinking... Look, if we get through this thing, there's a chance for more of those experiences. So just head down, buckle up, and yeah, write this thing out. Mm-hmm. No if, 
when we get through this, my yeah, friend. Exactly. That's a very good point. It was one Let's survive. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Well, hey, you know what? That's the perfect place to start because, again, a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with your episode that you came on during Panic Fest and talked to Perished. Okay, but... dude. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but since then, obviously, you've expanded your repertoire there. So tell us a little bit about Patty Plays and Let's Survive. Yeah, so uh, basically, I mean, our, the pandemic here in Ireland really, I can actually pinpoint it, right? Friday the 13th of March. Um, and the reason it, that I remember that is that was our hometown premiere of The Perished. And literally, we got told on the Thursday, the 12th, the whole country is going to be shut down tomorrow. You can't have your premiere. Um, oh, no oh my so god i had to send messages out to all the cast and crew be like guys i'm so we had sold like loads of tickets and everything and i was like guys i'm really sorry but we're gonna have to push this back god i wish we were still this naive i was like guys <laughs> we're gonna have to push this back by about six weeks you know <laughs> wow um but yeah obviously i came to realize very quickly that it wasn't going to be just six weeks and i was like Around the same time, um, I submitted another film to Screen Ireland for, for funding. It didn't get uh, accepted. I wonder if, the more I think about it, it's probably because they were like, well, we don't even know what we're going to be doing for the next year as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I was like, I need to do something. And I didn't feel like writing. I wasn't in that state of mind. Um, so I was like, what else do I love? I love video games. I eat, sleep and breathe video games. I was like, I'll just be one of those annoying dicks on YouTube. That, like, <laughs> that's like really self-indulgent stuff. <laughs> so I decided to start this little fun YouTube gaming channel for just just me. Originally it started out just me playing games and sometimes with my friends and stuff like that. And then a good mate of mine, Steve J. Palmer, who played Bill Williamson in Red Dead Redemption, was like, would you do an, I'd love to do an interview with you, man. I was like, that'd be great. That'd be awesome. So I did that. And then he was like, he kind of came back with like, oh, I've got another guest if you'd be interested. And then I reached out. Funny enough, it spawned from a lot of it spawned from the horror community because one of the next guests I got on was Graham Resnick, who I brought him on as the co-writer of Until Dawn, him and Larry Fessenden. Mm -hmm. But in my head, I'm like, this is Graham who wrote Dead Wax and directed Dead Wax. And Larry, who is the fucking godfather of indie horror, like... I was more nervous. Every interview I've done, the one with Larry Fessenden was the one that I was the most nervous on because I idolize him. Um, but yeah, so the interviews became a really big component of the channel and like people seemed to really gravitate to them. So I was like, I guess I'll focus my attention on this. Um, and then I started doing the Twitch streaming as well for the the fun of it. And I just got really addicted to all this content creation stuff. Um built a really nice community and at a time where like we don't have you can't go and visit your mates down the road or you know it's nice to have this community this online community now the only thing that screws me up is time zones because most of my friends are u.s based (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) but yeah it's it's been amazing and i mean yeah as you say we've really grown i mean we're just coming up on 700 subscribers on the youtube in just under a year um and we've i think i've 400 and something followers on twitch but uh, it's not even about, I, I keep saying it's not a numbers game for me. Uh, it's nice when you see that you're growing, mm-hmm. but really it's about the community. It's about just getting people involved and having fun. 
conversations. Absolutely. Like you guys. <laughs> well, well, and then I'm not a modern gamer by any means, but genius, however, mm-hmm. whenever I watch one of your videos, I'm like, you're talking directly to him at this point. I'm, I, and I'm a subscriber. Yeah. I'm one of your 700, yeah. dude. I fucking yeah, watch baby. it. I love your interviews with like the cast of Red Dead because like they yes. started hitting up when I was like huge into Red Dead again. You know, like I got oh, online and started fucking playing. I'm like, oh, well, look, it's Patty talking to Arthur Morgan. <laughs> Fuck yeah, I'm going to listen. So like, yeah. Well, and I oh, like... Dude. I love the kind of the interconnectivity between the horror community, the video game community, or just genre in general, be it film, video games, Music. books. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. There's just that connective tissue. Yeah. Because we all just genuine when you genuinely love what you're talking about, it's not work. You're just no, getting it's a chance. Easy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think why people gravitate towards it because it is genuine. You're not doing it because you think it's going to make money or anything along those lines. It's yeah. because it's a good outlet for you. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think Genius and I, at this point, why we continue to do it, it's it's not a numbers game for us. It's because it's yeah. a chance to promote things and without meet cool fucking people like you, Patty. Yeah. Yes. Champion I mean, the shit. I always say this champion the shit out of the stuff you love. And I just don't talk about the stuff that I hate. Although sometimes it's fun to talk about the stuff you hate. I guess we'll get to that in a while. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, 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 shit. Oh, oh. Shots fired. Shots fired. Shots fired hard. Pow. Well, no, uh, it's true, though. It is. Uh, I, I really, I don't know if I would have gotten through last year just being entirely honest without this outlet and connecting with people. Um, and yeah, like, if you start making it about like, it's the same as with filmmaking, right? I'm going to put it this way. It's the exact same mentality. If you start making it about like, I'm going to be a rich and famous filmmaker, yeah. you're setting yourself up for disappointment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 100% true. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions on the gaming aspect and the horror stuff. I posed this question out uh, earlier, just randomly on Facebook. They announced Ooh. that there's a new um, Turbo Kid video game coming out. Yes. And it looks yes, great. A, a Metroidvania style and music by Lomatos, too. So my question to you, Patty, especially involving like horror games and whatnot um, and regular games, how do you feel about m- movies that are turned into video games and then video games that are turned into movies? So this is an interesting question because like, I feel like there's different eras that this applies across because when I think back to like the Naze era, the movie tie-ins were kind of really good. Like Naze Mega uh, Genesis era, like stuff like Alien 3 and, mm-hmm. you know, on the Genesis was like amazing. And I feel like a lot of movie tie-ins in that generation were like actually really solid because they didn't really have to connect up story-wise or anything. They were just like, run around and shoot stuff. It'll be fun. and then we got into the 2000s i find like even skipping the ps1 generation like and the ps2 era i found the movie tie-in started to cut there were some gems like spider-man 2 and stuff but then there was some real trash as well Mm -hmm. um and i think a lot of love was lost for the movie tie-in genre around that uh, like kind of yes sub-genre i suppose at that time but now looking at the thing that got me excited about what you're even just talking about in particular there, the Turbo Kid game, is I looked at it and I went, it's like they're doing that old school movie yeah. tie-in again, where it is set in the world of Turbo Kid. It feels like Turbo Kid. The music's like Turbo Kid, but it's not like trying to recreate beat for beat Turbo Kid, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so that excites me. Me too. And like, I like I like video game adaption movies too because I really enjoyed Rampage. That was a lot of fun. Oh, I forgot about going the other way. I mean, I have a I have a much more 
in uh, my history with the other way around is is kind of more complicated. <laughs> I <laughs> I love Paul W S Anderson's Mortal Kombat so much. Uh, I had so much fun with that movie. As I snuck into it when I was like for my twelfth birthday, I think it was. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, I and there's been like a handful. I'm trying to think of any other one that I actually like. Um, I love the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I thought that was great. Uh, I like Detective Pikachu. I did. Too. Uh, you didn't? I did. did. I did. Oh yeah, yeah. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was. It was. But I find like a lot of them. Again, I feel like it's era based because I feel like from like 1997 to like 2015 was just a nebulous period of like. Yeah, I'll be honest. I'll go to bat for the original Mario Brothers movie. I had a good oh, fucking. Oh yes, yes, I had a I great time you. in that movie. I, I saw that theater in the theater. I I went to see it and I was excited for it. It's because you're part of the John John Leguizamo fan club, my friend. That's okay. <laughs> and, and Bob Hoskins. <laughs> I can't say the same with like the Assassin's Creed movie, but yeah. I I really enjoyed it. And I'm actually looking forward to the Netflix um, Resident Evil series too. Same. It looks. Re- uh, well, I'm actually quite looking forward to the the Johannes Roberts Resident Evil movie because as much as like Johannes Roberts is a director that I've struggled with of liked elements of what he's done, like. The pool scene in Strangers Pray at Night is one of the greatest fucking set pieces in any movie. Um, Then there's the rest of Strangers Pray at Night, but that's a different discussion. Um, (laughs) But I, yeah, like, uh, I actually love the original Super Mario Bros. movie as well. And the reason I do is because we get to exist in a universe where that got made, which, like, Mm -hmm. if you think of the multiverse... That shouldn't exist. Like, we're lucky. We're the lucky ones. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I guess I need to go back and revisit like that. Uh, it's fun. Mark DeCostas's uh, Double Dragon. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Again, an- <laughs> well, and it's weird, though, to think about how the influence has gone from the movies influencing the games to the games yeah. influence the movies well, now as well. And then, like you said earlier, with the Until Dawn, that is a fantastic game. And exactly. it's, it's a proper good scary horror movie if you were watching somebody play it. I mean, there's a, some really good, well-crafted scares in that game. I know a lot of people who, when they play, like Barry, my uh, my hetero husband, my cinematographer, he like sat down with his wife and she wanted him to play it so she could watch it. Like, so that, I, I love, the, the experiences are overlapping yep. to a certain degree, for sure. Because mm-hmm. even with The Last of Us Part Two, my wife was like, do not play past any of the story segments. I want to <laughs> see the story stuff. She didn't care about the gameplay yep. stuff. That was all me, baby. But she was like, I want to see what happens to the story. I mean, um, I, what's kind of rad, though, is it beca- makes it a family affair, and it makes it a thing... And it's also accessible to the people that may not necessarily enjoy the gaming, but they enjoy the experience of the gaming. So it brings in people that may not necessarily be gamers. That's kind of ingenious, actually. Before we talk about movies, any games that's coming on the horizon that you're looking forward to? Resident Evil Village. Yes. It's so close. What is it, 50 days away now? I cannot wait. I'm literally literally looking at the countdown timer like every day. I... Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, it looks <laughs> great. I'm ready to tackle a big giant vampire woman. I'm yeah, I'm I, down for crush that. Crush me, crush me, Lady Dimitriscu. I know. <laughs> Is this one gonna launch a thousand fetishes? As oh, well? it already has. Oh, it already has. Oh, it already has. It already <laughs> has. The leaked images launch because there's a big giant vampire woman and a hot crazy goth blonde. So like, people are already <laughs> losing their shit over it. So. It- <sighs> Yeah, it, it's. I think Capcom purposefully did this because people memed it so much that they didn't have to pay for any advertising. Nope. Man. Like Twitter took it 
and rain with it. The game's not even out yet, and there's already Instagrammers cosplaying yeah. as the hot goth crazy girl and the giant vampire lady. Wow, yep. it's ridiculous. I ain't mad at them one bit, but I'm just saying <laughs> it's really quick. I mean, the game hasn't even came out yet, so that's. I guess it's not too surprising though in today's day and age. They know their audience. They know how to. Yeah. Make the message where they know the medium, so all the power. To, I feel like such an old man, just like looking at you youngsters on my my yard. Just I'm ready to say get off, but at the same time, I'm like I kind of like what you're peddling. So you know, you guys are over there talking about that Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's funny though because Greg, something you said really struck with me there a second ago. Um, okay, so if you if I flash back in time to when I visited you guys last year, the person I was back then, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not understand the idea of YouTube let play, Let's Plays or Twitch whatsoever. I literally was that old man aesthetic that was like, why would you watch somebody else play video games? Just pick up a controller and play the game. What's wrong with you? And it's weird because what you said a second ago about how it's cool you can have somebody just watch, passively watch a video game now and get the same enjoyment out of it. That's really what I started to learn about YouTube and Twitch was like, oh, wait, also... The big secret of all that is that people don't watch YouTube and Twitch for the games. They watch YouTube and Twitch for the people, the personalities. Yep. Um, and so as long as you're a big, loud, obnoxious fool like me, you'll, you'll get some people who like you. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. You see the light bulb just on? <laughs> Boom! <laughs> just tone it down, genius. Tone it down. <laughs> Two days later, genius had 14 million followers. <laughs> One day later, I had negative 13 million followers. <laughs> well, let's see what let's see what I'm gonna do with this giant vampire lady and this hot guy, and then just this account has been shut down, <laughs> permanently suspended. Right? <laughs> it would again stain on brand. I think that would be appropriate somehow. <laughs> no, even as someone that, like I said, is a non-gamer like myself. The reason I am also one of the subscribers is I do enjoy your candor and your just overall enthusiasm of who you're talking to and what you're talking about. And I think I am a pretty good judge of character when it comes to sussing out people that aren't necessarily 100% genuine. And like I said, there's something that just just exudes into the interviews. And I I appreciate that. And it's again, it's a way of just seeing a friend from afar and just seeing you do something and just seeing you happy doing it which is always a nice thing because you're a good genuine dude and like it shows even Mm -hmm. if we didn't meet you and know this already (laughs) we would be able to tell by your just your videos and just how just being you being you well quite honestly man i was uh we did movie crypt live yesterday and i happened to say i in the chat i was like hey (laughs) i'm I'm chatting with patty murphy anyone is and just immediately flooded with oh we love patty where's patty and it was just uh so Many communities love you, my friend. So just know from across the pond, Movie Crypt, Screenland, Nightmare Junkhead, the gaming community in large, thank you for being rad. Oh, man. Thank you. I will just say quickly, I will very quick plug for the last interview I did, which was with a, a Twitch streamer named Sweetheart Alley. And one huge part of what we talked about was exactly that, was that like, if you're doing it for the wrong reasons, everybody will identify it through the screen right away. They will know. And like the reason that I fall in love with so many other streamers that I know, like I will stay up till three and four in the morning watching them. And, you know, while I'm editing, I'll have an edit open on this screen and on the other monitor, I'll be watching a streamer is because I just feel that real genuine energy from them. It's not it's not forced or fake or 
BS. It's just like, I know that if I met that person in reality, I'd be like, we would click. We would get on so well, you know. Um, yeah, it is. It's amazing. Um, and I really do appreciate because, uh, yeah, like the, the last year has been hard. So having those those chances to reach out to people. I mean, I have thought I've, I've kind of steered away from it, but I've, I've thought about going into more serious some every so often putting out like maybe a more serious video about like mental health struggles and the things I've been doing in that sense. And I've kind of steered away from it up until probably the last two two to three weeks I've started to go like you know what I think I'm far enough removed from the worst of that now that I could talk about it mm-hmm. um, and I, I'm always up for destigmatizing that stuff and talking about it and so like it's that might be coming soon it's like watch Penny break down live <laughs> hey, hey you know what let's survive yeah exactly, yeah, exactly. let's survive the survivors and yeah you ha- and there's so many different ways that you can survive I'm also in that boat boat patty yeah. I, I started therapy as well and I, it's we do need to destigmatize that because when you take care Definitely. of yourself, you can take care of a lot of other things. But you gotta take care of yourself first and foremost. And by any means necessarily necessary for the most for the most part, of course, you know, yeah. beyond human one, sacrifice. Very one, one very quick thing there that I found really helped me in the last um, in the last probably two months since I've started doing this was I started to curate my online experiences a lot more. I was very much the type of person that was like. Oh, I wouldn't like, I was very like self-conscious about like blocking people or removing people. I was always like, I'm not that guy. I wouldn't like shun anyone. But I started to realize I was like, if somebody's posting negative stuff and it upsets me every time I open my Twitter or my Facebook and I see somebody posting something that is getting under my skin, why am I allowing myself to experience that when there is an option to remove it? You yep. know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've started to do that a lot more and I'm, I'm trying to encourage you know, I'm, I'm trying to tell people if you don't like something block it, cut it, remove it get rid of it from your life Serenity <laughs> is only a click away it's really easy to do mm-hmm. <laughs> well speaking of Serenity here we have two films here in the round of the Hateful Eight that are vying to get into the round of the Frightful Four not sure around who's behind you mine. here in the year of 2001 we do have <laughs> Ernest Dickinson's Bones going up against Bill Paxton's Frailty and I'm I'm anxious to talk about these. So, Patty, which one shall we talk first? I, I think I think we should maybe talk frailty first. Let's do frailty first. Now, I'm glad we're talking this one first. And you want to talk about bringing in, you know, a more somber tone and edge to everything. <laughs> I'm really glad we got to talk about you with frailty because I do think this could play as an interesting double feature with the perished in terms mm. of religious overtones and yeah. how certain dogma can control lives and put them into bad spots where normally maybe they wouldn't necessarily be. So what was your initial interaction with frailty? Was this one that you've seen before? You know, break it down for us. So really quickly, when I first put this on the other day, because I rewatched them for this and I put it on, it started and I was like, wait, I don't think I've ever, have I seen this? I'm sure I had. I remember the, the box cover, but I, I was like, I don't, and next thing it got to, I saw Bill Pax that appear in a flashback as the dad. And I was like, I have seen this. I just don't remember a lot of it. So it is almost like a first watch again. Um, but I do remember that I did really like it. I used to work in like, we had a, a chain of stores here in Ireland called Extra Vision, which was basically, it was actually owned by Blockbuster. So it was our Blockbuster just under a different name, a regionalized name, I suppose. Um, but I worked there and I remember frailty and i remember picking it up and watching it and being like oh that was really good i, I don't think i even knew at that time that it was directed by bill Paxton. and i just thought it was like 
it was just a cool, fun, good horror movie, you know. Um, well, uh, cool and fun might be a stretch, but yeah, <laughs> I, like we, we'll get to that. Like, I, I, I will say, I, re- I do think this is a really good movie. Um, and I do, I, I, I remember enjoying it, but on rewatch, I was like, hot damn, this is actually a really solid movie. Like, I think I wasn't expecting it to be as good as I maybe in my head I, I remembered it as being a bit more uh a bit more early 2000s if that makes sense. like a bit more like I feel like I, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself here in case I screw up for for where this podcast's going but like I will just say this I feel like frailty has a little bit of a like potentially timeless feel like it could have been made in any generation and I was like oh cool this is just good storytelling I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Now, you talk about Bill Paxton, um, the fact that he did direct this, and it is his directorial debut. What kind of a relationship do you have with Paxton? Are you a fan of his through any of his roles? I I adore Bill Paxton as an actor. Like, everything he's been in, he's just always brings this... Um, like, he's a great character actor, I guess. Like, that is what he he really was. Like, when you look... I mean, I think my first experience... I would say my first experience with Paxton probably had to have been Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> nice night for a walk, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That would have been probably the earliest because I saw Terminator way too young. Like, that was one of those ones that I saw at, like, maybe five or six years of age. Like, and <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think my dad, well, no, it wasn't even my dad. It was my uncle was kind of of the presumption that, like, ah, T2 is like a big action movie extravaganza. Terminator is probably the same, right? It's like, no, it's a fucking horror movie. Terminator <laughs> is a horror movie. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed him in that. And of course, like, as Hicks in fucking oh. in Aliens. That's like, I, I, speaking of video games, anytime I get a game over screen, I go, game over, man, game over. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Hudson, sir, he's Hicks. Oh, shit, he's Hudson. <laughs> You're you're giving the ape you're giving him the apone treatment there. No, I agree. <laughs> Paxton is one of the you, like you said he's a character actor first and foremost. Yeah. So when you see him in a leading role, I'm always excited just because very yeah. rarely does it happen. And the fact that it's a, he's directing himself in this and he's just I don't know. There's elements of his performance because what I love with the films that make it this far is inevitably I'll probably end up watching them again from mm-hmm. that initial rewatch. Mm-hmm. And we've often talked about that the baggage you bring with each viewing, whether it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, or today, totally mm. changed the way you view. And I love with you, Patty, it sounds like when you saw it initially as a younger person, it probably didn't hit all the beats that it does now as someone that is a father, as someone that you know has yeah. a family, and it totally changes kind of how the film plays. And probably, I mean, as you know about my relationship with... Uh with religion and Catholicism, um, like it is, uh, I, I have a, I have a, I'm a recovering Catholic. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, <laughs> but yes, I, I, I came at it from a de- very, I, I'm sure that when I saw this, when I was like 17 or 18, whatever I was, when I probably originally saw it, me and the lads probably watched it with a couple of drinks and were like, oh, that was good. Yeah, it was a good movie. Whereas watching it this time, there was a lot more of like reading into stuff and being like, oh, what the hell was that about? And what's it trying to say here? Is it trying to insinuate that like this? Like I, I read it way, way more. And it really made me sad because I believe, no, you can correct me if I'm wrong, which I very well could be. But was, was this not Paxton's only directing mm-hmm. uh, credit? Yeah, yeah. 
that makes me sad, I man, know. because this was really well handed, handled like so. Well, and I love just the subtlety that he yeah. takes with the film because he doesn't put anything in your face to the point where it's all text. You know, yeah. he gives the viewer a chance to really process and interpret it their own way. It's that slow, simmery, sinister that he yeah. does. And I would imagine that would even be more of a difficult task because not only is he directing everything, but he's also directing himself. And so, like, yeah. putting double duty, making sure everything runs smooth. And it's, it's he really handled it really well. We just got a text that we're under a tornado warning, so hopefully we don't get oh, uh, blown shit. away here, genius. <laughs> Oh my goodness, guys. <laughs> Shit just got real. <laughs> Look at the Irish. It, Enjoy. <laughs> if any luck, the twister will take us over there, Patty, and uh, we'll just <laughs> podcast from there. That'll totally work. That's so bizarre. We're going to talk, talk about the, the twister appears like Beetlejuice for character <laughs> actors. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's game over, man. It is game uh, over. We're going to well, see some, clow, some cows. We're going to wind up like, what's playing, what's playing here at the Screenland? The Shining. And so just like. <laughs> as long as we don't end up in the suck zone, I think we're fine. <laughs> I, uh, to, to jump back to this for a second as well. Like I, I, one thing that really impressed me, first of all, as well, I am not generally. Obviously, this is that this is not a, a be all end all, but I'm not usually a fan of stories that are told majoritively through flashback. Yeah. Like I I sometimes find that that really pulls me out of things because, it, for example, if there's a character, you're like, well, I know that this character survives because they're telling the story or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. But I will say the way this was handled. I mean, in my opinion, McConaughey dominates this movie, which is insane because his screen time is probably about five minutes or like it's not a lot like in reality because a lot of what he does is voiceover you know mm -hmm. um but he's still so good i mean it's it's matthew mcconaughey it's matthew mcconaughey's voice so yeah what, what would you expect against powers booth yeah Two. oh my god powers booth is so good in it too yeah and when you and then when you approach two actors that have that southern drawl and this is also a film that is very much a Texas fried film. It is just yeah. in the vein of a like a blood simple where you can kind of smell it, you can feel it. Where Southern you... Gothic, yes. And I mean, when when people were concerned, like when people were kind of like, oh, Matthew McConaughey's doing like darker films now in the kind of early two thousand tens, and it was like he's the rom com guy. I think if they'd seen Frailty, they wouldn't have been worried about him doing Killer Joe. Yeah, you know what I mean? and they definitely didn't see the new generation Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll, I'll be honest. I have not watched that all the way through. I've only seen bits and pieces, but I'm pretty sure that's probably maybe the right thing. Yeah, you're going. Uh, you know, I know Saw's family, but Saw's some <laughs> extended family. Some cousins you like to some yeah. cousins you like to keep very far away at the dinner table at the wedding. That's, so, that's some, what that is. some family you don't invite over for Christmas. That's that's what happens. No, but like you said, it's interesting how they how like you said the flashback things because that doesn't mm -hmm. get me a lot too, but. Because, yeah. oh, yeah, you, like you said exactly, they survived and all that. But yet to pull the kind of switcheroo, wool over your eyes type, like, show, don't tell, don't show type of thing. Because yeah. this is a very heady, violent, gory movie without a lot of, like, over expressed scenes yeah. of violence and gore. Well, It's still terrifying and sinister. If you think it's about... It's so scary. Yeah, well, if you think about who... 
who Paxton has worked with before in terms of directors. You know, he's worked with yeah. some of the top people, and you know he was taking in what they were doing Definitely. at the time, be it Catherine Bigelow, James Cameron, Cameron, just all the people that he's had the chance to interact with, and you can see it then. And honestly, when I saw those flashbacks, I thought maybe that was like a crutch of a first-time director, but I thought he worked them well within Very there, well. and oh, it really became... Well just a crucial storytelling component of it and again it's when i see when i see this movie i'm like i miss bill paxton as an actor and i do miss him as i what could have been yes oh. yeah what the potential that he had as a character actor and as you saw as a director mm-hmm. imagine that, that the kind of like my heart like. right <laughs> and as someone that was seeped in genre as well yes. because i guarantee yeah. he, he would have stayed in genre yeah, yeah. i don't oh, think didn't even we didn't even talk near dark, right? He was fucking. Like, oh well, yeah, okay. Like, so the best part of our little Friday Night Fright series that we've been doing here at Screenland is we did screen Near Dark a few weeks yeah. ago, and we've got some younger folks that are coming in, and a lot of them are seeing these movies for the first time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them saw Near Dark for the first time and they loved it, oh. and they saw that we were play- that we always uh, we always do uh, trailer Trailers. reels before the movie, and the last trailer is always for next Friday Night's Fright. And they saw that it was Bill Paxton's frailty, and they're like, "Oh, that's Severin! Like Severin's playing a serial killer, <laughs> sold!" And it was it's such like a cool awesome. thing, yeah, just to see them make that connection and to see that oh, next generation so awesome. of horror films, yeah, because Near Dark was life changing oh. for me. I yeah. I can tell it's... you, the first time I, I watched it, I came in halfway through, about three quarters of the way through, in fact, when Caleb was confronting Severin, and yeah. but you know, buckle up your fucking seatbelt, all that kind of stuff, and I'm like what the hell am I watching here? <laughs> and then backtracked into it and f- just fell, because between that and his appearance as Chet in Weird yes. Science as the <laughs> ultimate jerk older brother just cemented <laughs> my love. And then watching this again just cemented my love for even more. I'm just glad he didn't have the hair he had in uh, Streets of Fire. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That big pompadour big quaff. pompadour? Yeah. Well, again, Come on, Otis, we're going demon hunting. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't matter what demons we're killing as long as we're killing them fast. <laughs> no, it's, I, I yeah, as I think in a post-Bill Paxton world, this movie hits very hard because, as you say, you miss him as an actor. Mm-hmm. You think about what could have been as a director. Um, but even just then taking it away from the Bill Paxton of it all as a story, like, it's just, I will say that I, I, I kind of came away from it initially after watching it two nights ago. With a little bit of, um, I was like, wait, I, I don't want to, I, I don't want to get too into spoilers. Go right ahead. But, it is a twenty-year-old yeah, film, and we've okay, spoiled cool, the shit cool. out of it already. Like, basically, basically, like what it boiled down to was, I was like, are they trying to tell me that this was all fucking real then? Like, I, I was like, because I, I liked the subjectivity at the start of like that it was, or are they just fucking batshit crazy, or is this? And then the more I thought about it after the fact, I was like, oh wait, I fucking like that actually because it is. It is still up to you because, yeah. like, it could just be this fucking bizarre series of coincidences. <laughs> it's it's that odd seed of ambiguity that yeah. sticks with you and doesn't grow until after the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, like, okay, so evil's kind of punished, and maybe he's going to kill people later on, McConaughey and his family. But then you realize, oh, he does have a family. That seed of evil again is going to pass on but what if they really are killing demons because apparently that one dude was a diddler so it's like 
it makes you really question who the good guy and the bad guy, and if that good guy is really a good guy. You know, I, it's a, a Matryoshka doll of like questions. <laughs> that's exactly where I was going to go with. There was a point when I was watching it where I was like, "Wait a minute!" I was like, "Wait, if I was..." If I was the fucking devil, right, what I would do is I would reach out to really religious people and be like, hey, do this for God, Joe. Kill these people for God. They're demons. So, like, there's even a level of that where I'm like, wait, what if it's the flip side of this and they're being tricked by the devil into going out killing these people? Like, so that's what I love about this movie is you can read it 50 different fucking ways. It's great. I love anything like that. Because it goes to qualify it as almost not a slasher, but definitely a, like a almost crime procedural. Mm-hmm. You can qualify oh, it as religious horror. You can yeah. uh, almost a slasher flick. I mean, there's a lot Southern of different... gothic, as you say. Yeah, this would slide right in as a. You could put this as a on par with like season one of True Detective, just in yeah. terms of those kind of feel. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that he didn't hold your hand as a first time director. Yeah, again, you can just tell that he had an assured. He had a vision. He had mm. something that he wanted to put out and just left it up to you as the viewer of however you picked it up. But you sometimes have to pick it up with kid gloves, potentially, or the gloves that the were gloves assigned. That, the holy gloves. <laughs> so, uh, the gloves that you pick Otis up with. Yeah. Oh, and I, <laughs> I even remember uh, back in the day, I think we talked about it the last time, Genius, but like this was on the, the nascent days of like com and chud.com. But like all the the the, the shots of Otis the Axe coming yeah. out. You know, and I'm just like, wait, mm-hmm. Otis the Axe? What? And the fact it's based on a true story. Which is even freakier. Which yeah. it does not. See, I didn't realize that. So back in like the <laughs> 70s in New Jersey, there was this guy that killed like five or six families while, and his partner was a, his 13 year old son. And they went insane. And he was, no, they went into insanity plead saying that God came down and instructed him to kill these people gave him a list the whole shit and so oh shit that was, does make it freaky he was fuck. teaching his son how to do that too and in, in the family business of god so yeah it's even it makes it significantly freakier and scarier it, the, I, I, the most harrowing visual from this entire movie in my opinion is that first the first time that he kind of visibly that, kills someone in front of uh the kids yeah. mm-hmm. because it's just like again right as you say genius right genius right this is not a gory movie it's not an explicitly visually gory movie but it's the the implication and it's like when he brings that axe out and you're seeing the kids faces you don't need to see anything you're just like fuck like thinking about these kids witnessing this one of them who like devoutly believes and one mm-hmm. of them who is like my dad's gone psycho um it's so rough. Like, it's rough. It's actually a hard watch. Like, and then the abuse under the guise of love oh. when he's making him dig that basement oh all hours and night. And then finally, when it's done, slams him in there saying, like, we're doing this for your own good, boys, because Jesus loves you. You know, there wasn't, it didn't seem like there was malintent in his heart, but no, he was it, doing it for the good of God, the greater good, the greater good God. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> that I mean, made it terrifying. I mean, when this movie started and we did the first flashback and I saw it with Paxton and he's like, eat up your eggs, boys. We're going out. Like, have a great day at school, kids. I was like, 
I was like, what a fucking great dad. This guy's a hero. Like, he's got these two boys and his wife's passed away. This is, he's a, and then it's like literally, I've been visited by God and, and I mean, to kill demons. And I was like, okay, he's gone a little off the reservation. We're good. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, you're just like, the descent that you see him go through is like so visual. Like, well, and also the goodwill that Bill Paxton has been able to accrue over the years you're exactly right patty we see him on screen we're like what a great dad he's doing all these things and we want to root for him and yeah Yeah. even when he's slimy he's charming yeah yeah well and next year uh next uh 2011's bracket we've got the homegrown horror matchup this would have fit right in right in there right in there completely completely so again almost like red state god told me to do it yeah all in the name of god you know that that would be an interesting triple feature of that uh, red state frailty and god told me to oh that is a triple feature like, right i there. like that you've got the 70s the aughts and the currents uh, and well and that what's crazy though is the fact that from the past 30 some odd years you still have these films of a higher power influencing people to do negative things potentially and yeah because it's a true thing that's just it's it. a true <laughs> thing the crusades it's, was all yeah. about like well higher powers calling to do terrible things no one suspects the, inquisition. the spanish inquisition yeah exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, great minds great <laughs> well and i would actually say along the, the 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 lines of the perished is i hope films like this eventually become cautionary tales rather than these prescient tales that they can just be something of we don't want this to creep out again. You know, this is to keep the kids at bay versus, no, it's just a sign of the times right now. So I think there's a reason why we've had those themes over the the past, again, since we've crawled out of the ooze at this point. Yeah. So final thoughts here on frailty before we head down to the uh, the club there, uh, gentlemen. I mean, I, I, it it leaped out to me as just, it's a movie, as I say, that was, passable when i saw it in the 2000s as just like a, a another decent horror movie at the time and now on rewatch it's it's potentially one of my favorite of those kind of bible belt southern gothic as you said it's it's a procedural that's the most mm-hmm. mind-blowing thing about it i wouldn't have when you said true detective there i'm like holy shit maybe that's why i love this so much is because it <laughs> is that true detective vibe i loved it it's fantastic and i miss bill paxton yep oh yeah it's mm-hmm. horrid that's horrid so from the suburbs into the, as the kids say, the hood. Jim Bones, that you, man. A film that just genuinely has joyed me ever since I've been discovering it here. Ernest Dickerson's Bones. So, Patty Murphy, what is your familiarity with this particular film? Take us back here. Okay, so Bones. Uh, I moved out to uh, to Limerick, our neighboring kind of city here, when I was about when I was six, seventeen. And me and a bunch of friends got a kind of party house and I was working in extra vision. So it was always like, Patty will bring home movies. We'll grab a couple of beers, the off license, and we'll all chill out and watch like crazy horror movies and stuff. And that was kind of our general life side at that time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. 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 And like Bones, I remember it being like, I think I called like one of the guys I was living with and I was like, yeah, we just got in this horror movie with Snoop Dogg in it. And he was like, get it. Okay, man. I was like, do you want to know what it's about? No, just get it. Get it. It's got it's it's a horror movie with Snoop Dogg. Get it. Like, okay. Um I remember I'm going to say that <laughs> this is gonna be like a weird little bit of a flip from last the last movie we talked about. I remember seeing this when I was younger and getting really smashed and baked and enjoying it so much because it was just so fucking ludicrous. Um 
And yeah, like I, I will say on rewatch, I have questions, man. Maybe it's because <laughs> I'm too old and sober now, but I got questions, bro. <laughs> we are the place to unload those questions there, Patty. <laughs> Lay out on the couch. We're going to get our little pad and paper out. I'm not laying on that couch. You're talking. No way. Put a sheet on it. Put a sheet on that couch. God damn it. <laughs> I'll clean it. It's, it's 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 still good. It's due for its first one. Okay, dude. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, dude. dude. <laughs> um, yeah, I I, uh, I don't even I don't know what I'll say is like Ernest Dickerson's a fucking phenomenal cinematographer. Like the stuff he's done in that space is exceptional. He's a really good director too. Like I really like Juice. I think Juice is a great movie. Um, and, and there's been other stuff like he did Demon Knight, mm-hmm. like which I also really enjoyed. And like Bones is a really well directed movie. Like my issues maybe stem more from the writer side, the screenplay side, than the yeah. Oh, you want me to keep going? Okay. Oh yeah, Leia, we, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna work through this one here. I'm okay, telling you, cool. my friend. So obviously, right? This movie is about. Jimmy Bones, who is this like kind of, I guess he was like a pimp style character from the 70s mm-hmm. who like, but like <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna get so tangential with this. I'm sorry, right? But like kind of feels like they're selling a Freddy Krueger mythology very early on in this movie mm-hmm. of like this guy died, these people were involved, he wants to exact revenge on them and possibly their children. We don't know. And um what what kind of really struck me on this watch is I like I don't get this. I was like, a Jimmy Bones doesn't seem like a really bad dude. Like actually, as you watch the movie, you're like, yeah, this dude's good, dude. He's trying to like, keep crack out of the neighborhood, and he's fucking like, mm-hmm. he's he's the devil, you know. He's the good the mm-hmm. good guy almost. Um, and then on top of that, I just didn't get a sense of like when we find out what happened to him and that these people that that they'd kill him that uh, they were you know. His, his entourage and his friends, majoritively. But, like, the situation they were put in, it was... He literally says it. He's like, you should have died for me. And I'm like, see, I now I dis... I just felt like he was a really wishy-washy antagonist. That's what I got by the end of it. I was like, is he a good antagonist? I don't know. Like, I, I think you are right in terms of kind of the Freddy Krueger-esque mythology they were given, because I think... And I'll... This do is the also, Jimmy Bones bow out. a definitive dance that jimmy bones would definitely have uh no i i think they were trying trying to establish something like that initially i think they went in like not sequel bait but freddy bait they wanted to make snoop dog freddy krueger and And, he's the dog father so make a killer (laughs) pimp freddy krueger yeah well and also the fact that they do give you kind of a complex character because i think what i love about the fact of this film is it is supposed to be about the effects long-term effects of you know drugs in the community and corruption in the community be it through the drugs through the police department exactly Mm -hmm. so i think that one thing with ernest dickerson i think he always goes in with a film that you can enjoy just on the surface of things. Yes, uh, yeah, absolutely. Because with effects and gore in this film, like Tony Gardner's work... so so much fun. Oh, it's ridiculous. So much... I will say that, like, one thing I will say is that, like, the kills, all that stuff... I love when he... he, uh, That that annoying guy that's there from the start, I can't remember his name, but he he wanders off after the girl upstairs. The the gangster of love? Uh Uh-huh. Yes, the gangster of love. 
when, when the other guy, the main character, opens the door and looks in and Snoop Dogg is eating him and then turns around the, the dog has his face and it's like, wow, wow, motherfucker, or whatever. I was like, this is possibly, okay, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my life. The other is the crack pipe that he gives to the <laughs> the cop. Oh. Um, and he gives him the neotrin. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get high. You know? <laughs> it, it is. It is like a very fun Freddy Krueger, but I will agree. Yeah, because at first he's like, quote unquote, the hero of Harlem, mm-hmm. and he's given out kind of like, yeah. um, uh, what's that Denzel, original gangster, mm-hmm. when yes, he plays yeah. and giving out everybody food and helping out and like, oh, Jimmy Bones, thank you so much. No problem. Right? And then like, <laughs> then yeah, when he turns on Pam Greer and his boys and all that, well, I can he- see where like, that is kind of, but it reminded me of the Queen of Black Magic where they have justification in the revenge. Mm-hmm. They're just going about it the wrong way. There's too much collateral damage. Because, like, I think the one that upset me the most is his enforcer guy who was literally, like, reaching for, like, wanted to reach for the gun in that moment. Oh, yeah. His boy was like, that to dude did not deserve your revenge. Mm-hmm. Like, he would have tried. Like, and I, like, it just, there was a moments like that where I felt like I was like, I don't know why I'm resisting this so much. Like, I don't remember resisting this when I saw it when I was really drunk 15 years ago. Well, because <laughs> well, when you're drunk 15, there's a lot of things you don't really resist as much. <laughs> yeah. You know, He's that... like, fuck yeah, feeding that crack pipe. Woo! <laughs> We're all a little morally flexible, usually about 15 years ago. As Pat Murphy, that you, man. <laughs> well, you know what? I think that's what's great with this movie is it can serve as like a party movie that you can have on yeah. in the background where there are going to be those set pieces where people are going to go, what the hell is that? Did that dog just puke up maggots on someone, like, repeatedly? Just maggots raining down on people from above, like, yeah. Like... Did that girl just turn into Snoop Dogg and then a dog and then <laughs> back to Snoop Dogg? What the fuck is going on? The shadow play oh. is dope in this. Oh, the shadow play is fucking phenomenal. Well, it is, yeah. And- Ernest Dickerson is a straight-up horror fanboy yeah. from his love of like the German Expressionist stuff in there, and he's squeezing it all within. Like the Wall of Souls? Oh, the Wall of Souls and the City the of the Dead. The Wall of Souls is, is amazing, and it's got, like, the first time we ever see it with the guy lying in bed with the headphones oh. on, and it starts reaching over him. Such nightmare vibes straight away again, because you've got that. It's like Nancy asleep in the bed and, and Freddie yeah. coming out through the wall. Um, like, the thing is, I say, right, this is, it is phenomenally directed, I, I, I feel like, as I say, that some of the issues for me ca- probably came in at script level. Some of the issues I imagine were born out of like, it's Snoop Dogg, so we got to do this thing because it's Snoop Dogg. Snoop like, Dogg. we got to. Um, and like, I just wish, I wish they had stuck the landing with the character because I think if they did, we could have had a franchise character. Like, I think if he had a little more meat on his bones, forgive the pun. Ah. <laughs> yeah. um, as a character, I feel like because as I say, I was just like, wait, am I supposed to like him? Am I supposed to dislike him? Like where Freddy Krueger, it's clear, dude killed children. You're not supposed to like this dude. He's a bad guy, okay? Um, but like this, it was just kind of like this, and I get it, maybe that was point of it. A part of the point of it is like moral ambiguity, you know, who's right, who's wrong. But I ended up, as I say, almost being like like I was like, yeah, kill the cop. Yeah, kill fucking T-Bird. But then I was like, why are you going to kill J-Dog? Why are you going to kill <laughs> Pam Greer? Why are you going to yeah. kill this guy? Mm-hmm. They were they all had your back, man. And it just, it was it was conflicting. Well, was and I, conflicting. I think also the fact that with Freddy is like you said, Patty, he started scary and then eventually extrapolated into this cartoon character. And But you had multiple movies to allow that. 
you know, with yeah. Jimmy Bones, we're gonna we've we're gonna try to squeeze probably like three wor- three movies of potential character growth into yeah. one, and we miss a lot of that stuff. It, it's hard to go from Dolomite to Horace Pinker. You <laughs> yes. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And they tried. I like that scale, though. I like that That's, scale. <laughs> I mean, they really did try, and they yeah. almost had it there. They, I think, I mean, if they would have tweaked it a little bit more, we could be seeing, we could be at like Bone Six now. Yeah, you know? Bones in Space. Like right. could, we could have had our Bones in Space by now. Like Bones uh, in Space, but they bring back Force McKelly, the guy from Star Trek. <laughs> so there's actually Bones with Bones in Space. Ah, uh, DeForest, <laughs> DeForest Kelly. There uh, we go. That's great. Yeah, no, it's that, not. No, that I, shouldn't I be encouraged. That. I enjoy that. <laughs> Damn it, no, Jim! I... I'm a pimp, not a, no <laughs> <laughs> doctor, not a people of the people of the neighborhood. A per... No, he's actually what is this thing? He's running numbers and spreading the love. I love it. He's I love a pimp. It. He's he's like he's a hero pimp. He's dolomite. Uh, he's, he black di- like, he's black dynamite. He's black dynamite. We even get that flashback by our main character. Well. What seems to be our protagonist like again i also felt like there was points where i was like wait who is the protagonist of this movie is it mm-hmm. j-dog's son right. is it uh pam greer's daughter like who is the actual main protagonist? like just felt like there was a lot of like tonal issues and like yeah like where are we focusing our attention like who is the again for a movie like this overthinking <laughs> it like this is so fucking stupid like smoke a blunt and watch the movie that's how you're supposed to watch this fucking movie i think that's the way snoop dogg intended to <laughs> yeah. like i think i that's... was not a 37 year old irish white guy sitting in his fucking shade was not the intended audience for no, bones I, I think what happened is in the original vhs it was kind of like in the old cheech and chongs there was like a slip cover inside of it that she could use it as rolling paper nor like or like the the, the vhs came wrapped in like uh, sweet and mild blunt wrappings and so then like enjoy the movie if they didn't they're probably kicking themselves right, right now for not doing that oh my god that is so much a no-brainer right there but then like it also is cool like oh it's Catherine isabel and oh, like yeah. all these other like character actors and like soon to be character actors. it was uh one of the slayers from buffy the vampire slayer i mean i was just like oh my god yes, I, yeah yeah just genuinely i will say i will say that there's nothing more 2001 than Catherine isabel being like yo how much you get this place for t like I was when they first arrived up at the club, I was like, uh. with the bandana and the Calvin Klein crop top and the yes. yeah, looking like JJ Fad. Yeah, it was awesome. I stand Catherine Isabel. I stand her like, but I just remember being like, 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 oh, I don't know how I feel about all of this, man. Like again, like I should have. I sh- it's my own fault. I should have gotten wrecked before watching it. That's that's on me. <laughs> Well, you know, no, it's 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 actually kind of perfect because these are two so tonally different films that are representing two tonally different periods, but still came out in the same year. In the speaking, same year, yeah, it was mind blowing. Speaking of totally different, I it's almost the movie itself. Like you said, there's a lot of different moving parts in this movie, and it oh, does yeah. go from very very sinister to very very jokey to very sinister to very jokey i mean when the other pimp gets his head cut off and he's still talking talking and cracking (laughs) wise right and jimmy bones like fuck you man should have left you in the garbage can bow wow and was like bonking his head against the shit (laughs) meanwhile Pam Greer's like, if we don't stop this, the evil will spread and blah, blah, blah. And Jimmy Bones is just having a ball, you know? <laughs> but then yeah, I do, it's I all remember over. Like when he, 
he kills the cop, isn't it? And then the fucking blood spatters down on, on T Dog's head. He's like, "Did you really have to fucking do that, man?" <laughs> like, that's it's disrespectful. Like, <laughs> it's it's taking a number of elements and throwing it in a blender, and yeah, obviously. The balance is probably a little off with this one. It's weird because the jokes like that take the piss out of it really quick. But then, like, there's something scary that brings you mm-hmm. back to, okay, this is Sinister. And then it's something silly. So it's, I like, mean, fun. W- one of the best horror sequences in the movie is when he has J-Dog at the Wall of Souls and he's putting him through it. And J-Dog is inside it. And it's that really weird, quick editing. It's flashing. And it's yep. like, I found that super uncomfortable. I was like, I don't fucking like this. This is creepy and very body horror yes. You know, you see the cop and his head is all twisted and misshapen. It's like nightmare fuel stuff. Like it is. Yeah. Uh, but then literally two minutes later, as you say, you'll have like somebody cracking a joke like a, a I don't know. Well, and, and I think that might be the reason why. I mean, I so I saw this in the theater. But oh, not uh, yeah, not okay. during the original theatrical run though. Okay. It was like a few years ago at Terror Tuesday. No, of course, genius. I saw, saw it the first theater. fucking day, man. Opening day, like you want to go see that Snoop Dogg horror movie? Fuck yeah, I want to go see that you, Snoop Dogg scary movie. You were my friend on the phone, basically. It was like it's a Snoop Dogg movie. Fuck yeah, bring it home. Right? <laughs> you guys were right. the appropriate audience for it, uh, and that's what that's what's crazy about it. And I think that's why eventually it's still gonna have some legs there. So, final thoughts on Bones before we uh, go head to head here with these two. I, I, I going to kind of conclude on what I said a minute ago, which is that I think this could have been something genuinely special. Like I think that there's there's the seeds of something really special in this movie, but I feel like I don't know, and I, I do not contribute any of this to Ernest Dickerson personally. Right. I just think that there is like something went wrong somewhere with but again, for its intended audience, which is people who are baked out of their tree and stuff, it's 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 just it's Snoop Dogg killing motherfuckers with crack pipes. Like what? You know <laughs> that that should have been the tagline on the poster, <laughs> right there. I mean, come on, thirteen or thirty-seven, you're gonna watch that. If you if you if you are intrigued by the idea of Snoop Dogg killing people with crack pipes, this is the movie for you. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that that and his other one, Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror, which I genuinely enjoyed. It's a good. I've anthology. never seen this. I've never seen that. That's that maybe one to add to the list. I'll take it down in the in the notebook. <laughs> he plays the crypt keeper. It's kind of dope. Okay. Soup Dog's Hood of Horror. Mm-hmm. Put it on the list there. Put it on the list. Well, as much as we like both of these films, only one can make it into the round of the Frightful Four. So here in the round of the Hateful Eight, we have two bits of criteria that we're looking at. And the first one is definitely more abstract. But we're posing you to come up with a definition or just kind of an aesthetic of what horror was like in the year of 2001, and then based on the definition or aesthetic, which of the two films better fits that? So, Patty, as our guest, we will invite you to go ahead and go first on that. Prepare to show your work, my friend. I'm coming from a really sketchy place with this, where I, <laughs> I'm that kid that like didn't do his homework properly. But what I would say is I'm, a lot of it's coming from a place of actually remem- trying to remember it. Mm-hmm. And, and I could be wrong about some of the, you might tell me some of the movies weren't from that specific era, but I think a lot of the ones that I think of are. Like when I think of that era, I think of movies like 13 Ghosts. Same um, Ghost Ship. Um, I feel like there was a lot of, when I think of early 2000s horror movies, I think of very slick cinematography, brilliant, really good gore gags, unless they were using like a stupendous amounts of visual effects, mm-hmm. um, in which case they often got a little bit lost. 
Um, but the ones that did kind of like, I mean, Ghost Ship, even though it does use a lot of visual effects, it's fucking majestic. Um, especially that opening sequence. Yes. Um, I mean, 13 Ghost holds up really well, I think. It's still it's still got some really great set pieces. Mm-hmm. Um I, I think of you know, even stuff like maybe it's not, but like from that era, I think of stuff like The Haunting. Um, I think that was maybe 99, so it was maybe just before all this. Um but yeah, I, I to me, early 2000s horror films was kind of like you got some well-known cast in there. You know, like if it was The Haunting, you had like Liam Neeson. If it was 13 Ghosts, you had the guy from Scream, Matthew Lillard. And, you know. <laughs> Don't forget Salieri. <laughs> yes, yes. F. Murray um, Abraham. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think... I think it was very much a post-Scream era, right? Like, that's what I think of 2001 as. I feel like it, it was that post-Scream era where, like, not the directly post-Scream era where everything was, like, like I know what you did last summer and Urban Legends, where they were literally just trying to be kind of Scream-alikes. Um, I felt like this was, like, people suddenly wanted old-fashioned horror movies from, like, that kind of fun vibe from the eighties, mm-hmm. but with a modern aesthetic, like with a more modern modern look um, to it. So I, for me, that's really what early two thousands horror was. Was this kind of like it? It felt like from when I worked in a video store, it felt like it was bring a horror movie home, get drunk with your friends, and have a lot of fun watching them. You know, um, that's that's what early horror two thousands horror was for me. <laughs> So which one then, Bones or Frailty, fits it a little bit better for you? I have to say that for me, I think Bones fits the description more of that era. Because as I say, I think Frailty could have literally come out in 1974 and you'd be like, yeah, that fucking tracks, that reads. Like this could have come out any time and still, you know, it just tells a really classic timeless story. Whereas Bones feels like, again, like I was saying, they were trying to take the old horror movies and revitalize them as new. And it was like, that was like, let's redo a nightmare on street. But as you say, like we'll have it be a pimp and we'll have it be Snoop Dogg <laughs> because all the kids love Snoop Dogg, yo. Um, and yeah, it, to me, Bones is, is, and it's got Catherine Isabel, man. You can't be more <laughs> early 2000s than having Catherine Isabel. Like. <laughs> That's the equivalent of the mic drop in 2001. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it, it, I, to me, Bones steals the show with that. It, it is, it is the the of these two. It is the one that is oozing in two thousand and one. <laughs> Get a topical for that, and you'll be fine. Uh, genius. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of two thousand one horror, early two thousands, I kind of either think of like the dark and the tragic, almost procedural, because that's when things are starting to get started. But what I really think of is very flashy. Quick editing soundtrack mm. by Power Man Five Thousand, <laughs> or like you know, it has to have like the biggest hits of today or by the biggest artists of today. It seems like, and again, that very very fast, very very fast, flashy, loud in your face, quick edits type mm-hmm. thing, and a hearkening back to that old school seventies charm. You know, because it just seems like. Everybody wants to uh, adopt the things that they had 30 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. like in the 90s, the 60s were big. Mm-hmm. You know, in the se- in the 2000s, 70s were big. And I, I, yeah, for that two aspects alone, you can't get any more 
pop big hit than Snoop Dogg when it comes to the soundtrack, <laughs> and he was all over it. Um, it felt like an early 2000s movie. They're trying to make a dance club. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> so oh, they're not Just gentrifying the neighborhood. They're funking up the neighborhood. <laughs> That's what it should have been called, Funkin' Up the Neighborhood. That's, the... <laughs> That's your sequel, Bones 2, Funkin' Up the Neighborhood. <laughs> they wanted to have a DJ rave party that screams 2000. The Catherine Isabel's costume alone screams early 2000. <laughs> like, Frailty, Frailty to me is a better movie. Yeah. But yeah. Bones is indicative to 2000s. And so, yeah. I'm gonna, for the aesthetic wise, I'm going to go Bones. No, good, good excellent. Both excellent showing the work here. Now, I was looking at this, and technically 2001 is right before really kind of the rise of the remakes. Um, yeah. Especially Texas like the, Chainsaw. Yes, mm-hmm. in 2003. I really think that yeah. sparks kind of the apex of that. But we're also seeing a lot of sequel work here as well. Uh, Jason X, uh, A Children of the Corn. We've got some offshoots that are still trying to expand into the new millennium. But then you've got those in-between films that are really not the remake or part of a franchise. And that's perfect with both Bones and Frailty because they both kind of fit that. But Bones definitely was the start of trying to launch a new horror icon in Jimmy Bones. I don't think really Frailty that they were trying to launch a horror icon with that. So be that as it may... Because there will still such a strong semblance of we have to have an icon to exist, even in the early 2000s before we really started celebrating indie horror, because Jimmy Bones was just a few tweaks here away of it, like you said, us being in space with him at this point. Yeah, (laughs) you know, uh, my vote is also for Bones as well. Now, from something more subjective to something even more subjective, we're asking the question. That's why we show our work here. But we're, we're praising a lot of love on both of these films 20 years later. So the question is, which of the two films 20 years later are we still talking about within the horror community more? Patty, I pose it to you, my friend. Damn, do I have to go first? Okay. <laughs> or or I, well, I was going to get a read on you guys. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I... I'm just going to go back to saying what I said, which is that I feel like Frailty is a very timeless movie. Um, and because of that, I think these are the stories that we will. You said it yourself a while ago, Greg, that like, you know, we've been telling those stories since the beginning of time about like the Inquisition, about the Crusades, about this, this like, God, is God controlling us? Is God, are we just puppets and pawns and part of God's plan? Um, I think the story of a pimp who was murdered in a dance club, and I don't know if that's going to... It probably will, if I'm being totally honest, but it'll always have a life of like house parties and stuff, as you say, in the background. But I think Frailty is the movie that I think there could be a fucking thesis or an essay wrote about in 20 years going like, like, holy shit, this... Like, let's dissect this thing. Like, let's really get into it and, and analyze. Are they false memories? Is this, you know, like, you? Could, there's so much meat in Frailty mm-hmm. that you could just, you could pick away at it forever. Um, so my vote is for Frailty. Um, I think we'll be feasting on Frailty for another 20 years. Okay. That's excellent. Excellent work. Excellent work. Genius. Okay, so... <laughs> More people, I think, have seen Bones. Mm -hmm. More people are aware of Bones because of Snoop Dogg. But I think that's also a blessing and a curse because more people, while 
if you say, hey, Snoop Dogg horror movie, a lot of people are going to be like, fuck yeah, but a lot of people are going to be, fuck no, you know? <laughs> and if, even if you go up to, like, like hardcore horror fans nowadays, if you've seen Frailty, you'll probably go, oh, I've seen that, yeah. or I haven't seen it forever and I don't remember, or they'll just, like, I yeah. haven't even heard of this. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like with as the more passage of time goes by, more people are discovering this movie, Frailty. And that's the word of mouth and all that. Because, again, there's a lot more than just Killer Pimp with supernatural powers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot yeah. of scary, deeper shit going in in this movie. And I think because of that, because of the performance of Paxton behind and in front of the camera, then it's going to resonate with a lot more people. And I think more people are going to be talking about this movie and more people are like, you need to see this movie. Oh, what's it about? I can't really tell you much about it because yeah. it's going to ruin it, but it's going to, and it's still going to be prescient. While I'm sure 20 years down the line, we'll still have killer pimps and like ghost stories and shit. I think 20 years down the line, we're going to find more and more instances of horrible shit done by families in the name of goodness in the name of god in the name of doing the right thing and that's going to be more prescient and it's going to be unfortunately more prevalent Mm -hmm. so i think because of that i gotta go with frailty i can't disagree with you on that and this was a really tough one for me because i think both films deserve a wider audience but for different reasons yeah however my vote is actually going to be for Bones, and it's not necessarily based on the merit of the film itself. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be based on the merit of the filmmaker, because as Patty mentioned, um, you know, Ernest Dickerson shot some of the most like, largely important films in America's cinema. I mean, we're talking Do the Right Thing. We're yeah. talking Malcolm X. Uh, he directed one of the great uh, Man is the Most Dangerous Game adaptations, Surviving oh, the Game. Yes. <laughs> Any yes. man that gets to work with Salieri... Gary Busey and uh, Rutger Hauer all in the same film tells me there's something there. And I think 20 years from now, we're looking at both Frailty and Bones. Frailty is another, it's an amazing piece of work by a a white dude that we've got a lot of those. Bones is, I think, going to be one of those things that 20 years down the line, when we're celebrating diversity a little bit more, especially within genre, that we're going to go, oh yeah, it's part of... It's not the best film, but if you look at the whole body of work, I think because of Ernest Dickerson, we're going to be talking Bones a little bit more 20 years later down from that. I don't want to disagree with you. Oh, you can. But, like, I think if you take away away Bones, you still have the Ernest Dickerson catalog. I wouldn't say Bones would be, like, the crowning jewel. The question is, if we take away which of these films, I'm talking based on just the... That's my argument. No, 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 no. I know, I know. I'm just... I'm not, like, saying, you're wrong. I was just, like... uh, I was thinking... I was listening to what you're saying, and, like... I, I think it's a really, I think it's a really well-reasoned argument, and I think it's good that we have this, um, like th- that we have landed at this point personally, because I think, I, like you say, I don't think either of these films deserve to not be seen by a wider audience. So I think any, like, I don't want people to come away from this being like, oh well, Bones was like nobody, you know, nobody gave the love to Bones. Right. No. Like I think, um, I think you're right in that sense. And I, I, I do think, as you say, that when we talk diversity and like the thing is, I will jump in a little bit on Jesus' point and say that if I was like, 
Ernest Dickerson, genre cinema. What am I going to watch? I'm going to watch Demon Knight. I'm not going to watch Bones. I'm going to watch fucking Demon Knight, man. Like, you know, like that's just, it's it's just where my taste lies. But in saying that, maybe if I was a blunt deep, maybe my decision would sway. <laughs> well, who knows? 20 years from now, blunt deep might be the norm at this point, potentially. And that's they might true. be handing Hopefully. out Bones with that. <laughs> But my my whole thing is, and it's not necessarily a woke vote, it's just more awareness. Mm. And I think because there needs to be a little bit more awareness, that's my vote simply. But I think maybe this is why Genius is commenting my vote now by a vote of four to two. I'm calling shenanigans. I love Bones, but I'm calling shenanigans. shenanigans, I'm calling shenanigans. shenanigans. Jimmy Bones, (laughs) is that you? It is him in the round of the Frightful Four. Fucking Bones beat out frailty. I would not have... I honestly, in my bracket, I had the winner of this one being Brotherhood of the Wolf. So it got shot out all the way. But at the same time, God damn, that's that was a good fight. I would not expect you Bones to be the winner. I didn't either. I feel I feel personally attacked, and you're not allowed to put this episode out. <laughs> We're gonna have to shelve this one as it turns out. Well, and it's really funny though. I'm joking. I'm joking. Bo- both of them were on the cover. Of the old Fango as well. Yeah. Well, then we would have gone oh, to music, yeah. and Which... then music. Oh, there's no comparison. Joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart, where versus the Dog Father, Bones would have won anyway. The tie. I don't know. Uh, you know, Satan and attack. Ouch. Ouch. It works well. <laughs> Controversial as it is, here in our we're, first. We're gonna, we're gonna get letters. Dude. Well, our first matchup in the round of the Frightful Four will be 1981's An American Werewolf in London going up against 2000's Bones. Hey, Howling versus Howling. Right, right. Now, we could not have gotten there without the work of one Patty Murphy. Dude, thank you. Yes, dude. This was beyond well worth the wait at this point so much. I am so grateful. I, I, I'm grateful for a lot of things, but this A, I'm grateful I got to come on and see you guys and talk to you guys because I've missed you so much, as we said, from a year ago. B, I'm so glad that this inspired me to go back and rewatch these movies, which, as you say, like, so much horror comes out, like, that it's hard to keep up with it and still go back and relive the glory days or the, the movies that you grew up on. You might have the five favorites that you pull out every so often and, and make sure they get a rewatch. But, like, like, I would not have probably thought of rewatching Frailty or Bones um, uh, anytime until you guys brought me on for this. And then I sat down and I watched them back to back. And I did put out a tweet that said, I just watched Frailty and Bones back to back. What do they have in common? I just watched them. That's it. That's all they have in common. <laughs> well, you know, honestly, though, that's why kind of the thing of this whole tournament was for us to, like, watch some movies yeah. or revisit some movies, and even better... First-timers. Yeah, when the guests yeah. come and revisit those, whether it is a first-time watch or if it's been so long and you just rediscover something, and that is the beauty of Into the Mouth of March Madness. Mm-hmm. And quite honestly, that is the beauty of the complexity of one Patty Murphy, whether it is <laughs> Let's Survive Patty Plays or The Perished or whatever he is going to be putting out here in the near future, man. Okay, dude. Um, I'm working. I just have to get this out there. Absolutely. I'm so excited about it. It's not genre. It's not horror. But I am working on a feature film at the moment. I'm co-directing a film called Lulu and the Electric Dreamboat. And it is a emo romantic dramedy set in Limerick in the early 2000s. And it's about a young kid with depression who meets a girl who he kind of falls for. And they're both emo punks. And they kind of have this kind of, the way I keep describing it to people is it's like 500 days of summer meets uh, 
Scott Pilgrim with less of the heightened reality of Scott Pilgrim, but like still a little bit of that. And when I read the script, it was written by my co-director, Mikey Casey. When I read it, I was like, how can I help you bring this movie to life? I'm madly in love with it. It's not my usual wheelhouse. It's not horror. It's not genre. But let me. And he was like, want to co-direct it? I was like, you bet damn Skippy I do. So th- we, we're going into production on that this summer. And uh, I cannot wait to start sharing and spreading more. We have an Instagram for that. It's just Lulu and the Electric Dreamboat. Um and yeah, it's it's going to be good. I'm telling you, I'm so excited. <laughs> Trust me, so. we're talking to people that genuinely, I, I've probably seen Steel Magnolias more often than I've seen the original Terminator. So trust me, my friend, <laughs> we will be there in droves for oh, that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. My dream, like, I, I'm just so excited to, like, bring it back to, like, Casey to the armor or something. And, like, because I feel like so many people would connect with this movie, even though it is, uh, like, said very it's very firmly set in early 2000s Ireland, but I mean, if you look at even something like the commitments that was set in early 90s Ireland, and it still had a massive following around the world. Um, and I, I'm, I love when I read a script by somebody else that I fall in love with like this, because I don't have that Irish Catholic guilt of like, stop bigging up your own stuff, because I didn't fucking write it. I get to champion it because I didn't have anything to do with writing it. Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm so, I I was kind of through last year, as I say, I wasn't in a writing mood. So I felt like I was almost like, I do this every so often where I hit like, a, uh, I don't know if I'm going to do this anymore. I don't know if I'm going to. And then Mikey came and put this script in my hand and I was like, fuck that. I'm not giving up on filmmaking until this gets made, you know, um, and then hopefully never. But yeah, like it just, this film was the fuel that relit my fire. <laughs> That's good. That's our that's, that's inspiration is a wonderful thing, especially when like the world's beating down on you. You know, something yes. just to get yourself up and like, yes, that is my new goal. You know, that's that's yeah. something amazing and wonderful, dude. And I know you're gonna fucking knock it out, man. The it's crack is so, mighty. I'm so excited. I'm so like, I I don't know if I've ever been this pumped because it's just it's so outside of my wheelhouse as well. But at the same time, these are the types of movies I love. I love romantic comedy, coming of age stories. I, 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 one of the examples that I gave to Mikey when we were fleshing it out and trying to work it all out, I was like, "Have you ever seen Detroit Rock City?" And he was like, "No." I was like, "Watch Detroit Rock City. That's a great coming of age comedy, you know, punk rock story." Um, yeah. I, okay, so that's Adam Rifkin, correct? Yes. Yeah. So it is. I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna close here by taking a full circle back to Bill Paxton. <gasps> Have you ever seen The Dark Backward? No. That is an ad, early Adam Rifkin film <laughs> where it's um, Judd Nelson plays a stand-up comedian with a third arm growing out of his back, and Bill Paxton is a sleazy friend. It is one of the most bizarre films I've ever seen. Amy introduced me to me of all people back in the day. Highly recommend it, but it'll definitely. It's odd. Down on the list. Down awesome. The list. Doesn't the third the <laughs> brother with the uh, doesn't the third arm guy play accordion? Yes, he does. Oh, I mean, it's, you got accordion. I'm there. It's legit weird and wonderful, but it's one of those things, genre non-genre. It's the reason why we love films. And you know what? I've never been a filmmaker. I have never no desire to be a filmmaker. But I'm glad you do, Patty, because that means I'm going to get something good. So again, thank you so much for you know writing into the mouth of March Madness with us. Now here next week. We're advancing 10 more years into the round, into the year 
of 2011, uh-huh. and we've got quite a lineup. Yes. In fact, some yes. some some amazing films and some amazing guests as well. I'm so excited for 11. I am as well. So until next Monday, uh, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we'll see you in your dreams. Keep playing, Patty. Keep playing. <laughs>